This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's a somewhat sick Ian with you. (laughs) And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So do enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Of course, lots to talk about. Your calls are the primary element if you make them. Uh, otherwise, we'll bring up some uh, some things that we think might interest you. And here's a, a story to start us out tonight. About homeschooling. Now, something that uh, you'll hear us support pretty vehemently on this uh, this radio program because... I would never, if I had kids, and I don't. Mark, you do. You've got an almost two-year-old. Uh, He's working on it. I would never send my kids to government school because I don't appreciate what they do. I don't appreciate the indoctrination, the pro-government, uh, pro-statist mentality that is uh, inculcated into the youth of America. I don't appreciate that in some classes. I, I know we had one of our listeners call and tell us they took a test that was essentially to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, kids. Let's take a test to find out. As though that is all that one could be. As though... As though there's any point in finding it out, either. Um, if, what do you mean? Well, if you don't know... <laughs> um, I mean, what... I, it, it's divisive. Oh, oh, sure. We're all Republicans and you're all Democrats. That's right. We don't like you. No. I mean, it's really, it's just to, to divide the class. Of course it is. I and mean, it's to get why them... not Why not just ask them what their favorite colors are and then give them knives and let them fight it out? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's to get them started on the, the track of the, the two-party system and believing that that's the way things are. And so there's a lot about government schools that I don't agree with. And I'm sure that uh, that you don't agree with some of the things that go on in the government schools, whether or not you send your kids to them. So a lot of parents, or I don't know, I guess maybe a lot's not the right word, but a number of parents have decided to withdraw their children from the government schools or never send them there in the first place in favor of either sending them to a private school, which, yeah, those can be kind of expensive, but they can also be uh, relatively affordable, or to homeschool, which I think is probably the best way to educate kids, is to do it at home. And, of course, there are different types of homeschooling curricula. There are more structured types. There's also the unschooled uh, version of homeschooling, which I find particularly interesting. It's my understanding that uh, with unschooling, you are essentially teaching the kids, uh, your kids the basics of reading and, and, and writing. And then teaching them how to learn on their own. And, and then, then they, and then they go after, loose. Yeah, then they go after to, to learn what it is that they need, want to learn in life and, and to learn how to learn. And I think that it's, uh, I think it's extraordinarily valuable. I can't tell you how much I learned in high school that I use today. Because I just, you know, quite honestly, the stuff that I learned in high school and I learned in college, it's interesting, some of it. But use, I don't know. Some of the business courses I took in college, I suppose. Now, one of the other reasons that people will homeschool their kids beyond the, you know, whether or not they disagree with the government school's uh, indoctrination process, some of them want to get their kids out of there because of their religious beliefs. Yes. Some of them have very, very uh, devout Christian or, all, you know, other religious beliefs that they feel are, are simply not represented or not well represented with the government schools. They feel as though their kids are being sent into uh, government schools surrounded by people of different viewpoints that uh, they consider a threat to their religious beliefs. Now, I might think personally that it's a good idea to expose your kids to multiple belief systems, that, you know, that's a healthy thing to do, but they're not my kids, so I don't 
shouldn't get to decide, you know, what they are and what they are not exposed to. And these parents that uh, want get to their, get their kids out of the government schools and teach them at home because of their religious beliefs, very, very devout. You know, these are people that have very devout religious beliefs. They're not just your occasional Sunday school kind of uh, parents. These are parents that are dedicated uh, to their religion, which is why this story from the uh, from New Hampshire over at WorldNet Daily is all the more disturbing. A 10-year-old homeschool girl described as well-liked, social, and interactive with her peers, academically promising, and intellectually or excuse me, intellectually at or superior to grade level, has been told by a New Hampshire court official to attend a government school because she was too vigorous in her defense of her Christian faith. Now, I'm going to get to the details on this. We're going to go to your phone calls here. We'll talk more about it in a moment. Uh, Deborah's on the line in North Carolina. Deborah, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Um, yes. Um, I just would like to kind of get my story out there because um, I've been in the local newspapers and I've written the president and vice president, senators and congressmen and everybody, but I can't seem to get any help. Um, What's going because on? Because I married my husband in 2002. He's a Canadian, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let him come into the country for two years. And finally, they said for humanitarian reasons, he could come in 2004. So we applied for the adjustment of status when he got here, and he, um, you know, uh, got his work permit, and he worked for from 2005 to 2008. And then in April of 2008, they said that uh, the adjustment of status had been denied and that he could no longer work legally. So he, 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 he could work for three years and then he couldn't work. Right. Huh. What's the reason and, for that? Um, we, uh, we appealed it, which they said the decision wouldn't come back until um, July or August of 2010. But the whole thing of it stems from... Over 30 years ago in Canada, when he was a teenager, he had marijuana charges. Oh, geez. Um, And the United States says that if you have one count of marijuana possession, you can't come in for 15 years after the fact. (laughs) But after that, they will waive one charge. But if you have more than two charges, I mean more than one charge, they say that you can never immigrate to the United States. And he had how many charges? He had um, three. Three. So they let so him in, and then they realized they uh, they made an oopsie, and they uh, they kicked him back out. Well, they knew it up front, but the you know the whole thing with the government is, I think it's just a money racket yes. because they knew they knew it up front, and they didn't say point blank he couldn't. They said, well, you got to do this form and that form, uh-huh. and, and every file form the that fees cost cost hundreds of right. dollars. Right, the application fees and all of that. Oh, yes. So basically so, they know, were just milking him for cash, and then they turned around and kicked him back out of the country. Well, he's still here because he can be here legally until um, the appeal is decided on. And, and we spoke to an immigration lawyer, but they're saying that, um, that you know, that's the law, so it's probably going to end up him having to leave the country. But because Ugh. of the stress on both of us um, for the last seven years, our health has just gone downhill, and... He couldn't work since April of 2008, and in, 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 in uh, July of 2008, he had a heart, a- heart attack and died oh, gosh. for about 30 minutes. And um, I was here and had to do compressions on him until the paramedics came. 
and, you know, thank God he lived, but he was at uh, Duke Hospital for eight days, and, you know, we didn't have any health care or anything because he couldn't work, and I have stayed at home the majority of the years, for, you know, keeping my kids from a former marriage, and so I don't have a lot of work skills or whatever, so, mm. you know, he was our main provider. So, um, but the the main artery to his heart was completely blocked, and he had several other blockages, and they they had to open it up and put a stent in, and they didn't think he were, he was going to make it, but he did. And then since then, he was hospitalized for um, three days because of chest pains, and then within the last few months, he had another uh, stent put in, one of the blockages, you know, they well, had to awful. open. But, um, so so he basically you're expecting them to deny the appeal, and he'll have to go back to Canada. What about you moving to Canada? Is that a possibility? Well, see, I have four children and four grandchildren, and it was never in the plans, you know, for me to leave because I'm very family-oriented, and, you know, um, it, would, it would just pretty much kill me. Could he, stay really under, could he stay and work under the radar somehow? I'm sorry? Could he stay in the United States and work under the radar somehow? See, the, the, the thing of it is um, I, I understand how some of the Mexicans do it that are here illegally because mm-hmm. what they do is they get under legal ones, you know, but, I mean, with a Canadian... Uh, you know, I mean, you can't just go out there and say to anybody, you know, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm not supposed to work legally. Can you give me a job? Well, it's, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. I thank you for the call. I wish you the best of luck. It's not easy to work in the underground, but it seems like that's your only option at this point. It's Free Talk Live. Good luck. Register now for the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire's Liberty in 2010 reception. Dr. Thomas Woods, the New York Times bestselling author of Meltdown, will be explaining the economic crisis and the role of the Federal Reserve. Successful investment fund manager Larry Lepard will share his perspective on the Meltdown, including advice on how to protect your investments. Proceeds will be used to help pro-liberty Republican candidates win their primaries in 2010. Register at nhrliberty.org. That's nhrliberty.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and they're all free, including the live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, a webcam, even our brand-new Free Talk Live listen lines. Get all the details on those and tune in over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen. .freetalklive.com. Now is the time that you and your family need to be armed and trained at levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides just such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today, plus the included 30-state concealed weapons permit, and you get a free handgun. It's a Springfield Armory XD pistol. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's FrontSight.com. All right, as we continue taking your phone calls, still to come, uh, we'll talk about the homeschool girl that has been ordered to attend government school. Uh, But first, Doug is in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Doug. Hey, guys. How are you? Doug, what's on your mind tonight? Long time no talk. Hey, I uh, work in an industry, uh, video conferencing. So every time me and you tell a story of you being thrown in the back and talking to the judge through a video conference system, I just try to imagine the manufacturer. But anyway... um, 
we are growing hugely in this in this downturn because companies are saving money by by not traveling and um, so we had this the highest growth quarter of our company's 10-year history last quarter. Oh, great. Yeah, and then I realized, wait a minute, this is all government contracts. Uh-oh. Uh, on more courthouses, Department of Health, Department of Revenue, Department of Labor, Department of Veterans Affairs, Department of Energy, uh, every school system and state college you can imagine in the last year. And I feel weird sometimes. Oh, Department of uh, Corrections as well. And all these companies that have all these, these government agencies have all this money that they're getting. So the bailouts are going to corporations, but they're also going straight to government, and they're being wired up with the latest technology, and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like you feel icky sometimes, and you know the free states look better and better. Yeah, I can imagine that if I were getting paid mostly by governments, I'd feel pretty icky about that too. Yep, I mean, I gotta get bad each half the time I go into these places. You know, the bureaucrats are funny sometimes, and you know, Julia talks about the giant fat bureaucrat when she did her driver's test. Mm-hmm. You know, Department of Health. I've never seen so many fat chicks in my life. <laughs> That's so healthy there, huh? So yeah, you're actually yeah. going into the bureaucracies and installing these video conferencing systems. Yes, deep into the belly, talking to bureaucrats. How's that for? How's that going for you? Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 fine, but they're basically a lot of them are just slugs, and there's always one who's really sharp, you know. But most of them are just dropouts. <laughs> well. So anyway, I'm looking at maybe uh, see if I can, you know, my long-term goal for my company is open the New Hampshire branch. Excellent. So I, I, I put that on my, uh, my my review sheet every year. So are you a Free State Project participant? Are you a signer? Of course I am. I signed that ages ago, and I uh, really hope to get out there one of these days soon. Hey, one more thing. I'm really happy to hear you talk about you, you sort of took my argument that you were arguing with me about a while ago, and I said the Libertarian Party was a gateway organization to, for many people. Mm-hmm. You said they were useless and everything, and they are, but I think, I don't know, it seemed like you were agreeing with me at least for a while there that they were sort of the first introduction many people get to these crazy ideas we have. Well, I think that the, the Libertarian Party was uh, much more of that, uh, much more useful in the past than they currently are today. I don't sure. doubt that there are still people being brought into the Liberty Movement by the Libertarian Party. It's just that I, uh, I express dismay at their lack of principle. You know, they just they have lost their way, and it's uh, it's a sad sad story. So, yeah, I, I think that they're probably bringing people in, probably not even a fraction of the amount of people that were brought in by the Ron Paul campaign, but, you know, it's worth something. Not much, but something. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate the story, and thank you for the call tonight, 800-259-9231. Always nice to hear about people making plans or moving up their plans to move here to New Hampshire. Uh, people are posting over the Free State Project forum. I just saw a post Recently, that somebody had, I guess, a situation change in their life that allowed them to move up sooner rather than later, and so that's what they're doing. You know, if you um, if you make it your intention, then you'll grow into the intention, and it's a statement of intent. That's that's what uh, you do when you go over there and you you sign up. 
you don't always know the way and the how. Uh, people seem to seem to be kind of stuck on that um, about signing up for the Free State Project. Well, I'm not going to do anything that I don't plan on doing. Well, does that mean that you have to know every little thing? Because I didn't know what kind of truck we were going to rent to move my stuff, and I didn't know what day we were going to move. I didn't even know what year I, I intended to move. I just signed up for the Free State Project. Yeah, you figure all that stuff out eventually. It, it's a it, statement of intent, you know, and I intended right. to move. And you can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. That's what we're talking about here. It is your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. Join people like Mark and myself and hundreds of other liberty-minded individuals who've come here to get active for freedom. Uh, it's really an exciting movement, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Every day I just think about how wonderful it is to be here now instead of being back in Florida where there were was zero opportunity to see liberty expand. Here, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but it, it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a combo of uh, both civil disobedience and outside-the-system activism, as well as political inside-the-system activism that's going to get us to the point of uh, freedom that we're looking to reach. And I don't think that uh, either of those things are happening. In, first of all, civil disobedience is really not happening anywhere else outside of New Hampshire as far as the, the liberty movement is concerned. A little bit. I mean, here and there, like an individual here and there. Not too much. But, yeah, you're right, here and there. Um, not as a movement. Certainly not, a not movement, as, a, no. as a movement of multiple people. And, of course, the uh, political possibilities here are much greater than anywhere else simply because the the New Hampshire legislative body is the third largest, I believe, 34th largest legislative body in the entire world, which means that there are very, very um, – a, a small amount. There's a, a very small amount of people that each so-called representative actually represents, which means that it's easier to run a political campaign. It costs a lot less, and you, you just don't even have to knock on as many doors because you just don't have as many people here. Uh, so it's interesting. Lots of uh, opportunity. Hope to see you come on out at freestateproject.org. Let's go to Ashley in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Ian and Mark. I'm, I'm glad I was able to friendly call in. I don't get to listen to the show um, other than online. So, uh I just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, your show is really refreshing here in Tallahassee. I just recently signed up to be an amplifier. Oh, great. And, thank you. Um, I'm more than happy to support the show. Sorry, I have a toddler crawling all over me. <laughs> um, I actually wrote you guys about um, home births, but I, I want to save that discussion for another day because I wanted to comment on something you started discussing uh, yesterday. Sure. And that was uh, sweatshops and... Um, uh, and and buying local and uh, our, in our household we we don't buy anything new outside of uh, necessities like toiletries and mm-hmm. food and other things for hygiene reasons and um, we have really nice things and I get them all by buying at local shops local thrift stores and uh, getting them for free or going on Craigslist and it's a really great way if if you are living on one income or just don't want to spend a lot of money. To get really nice things, and uh, I mean, you can't be specific sometimes with sure, color, and sure. sometimes you have to wait. Uh, for example, today. Absolutely, I want to get I want to get your example here in a moment, Ashley. If you'll hang on, we'll bring you back. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. It's free talk live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is 
Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, you'll know it first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. Again, that's updates. Dot freetalklive.com. Do you hate carry, making those extra trips to carry the groceries bags in from the car? For the last few months at my house, we've been using the Totasac. They are a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States, and it's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. Go to totasac.com, that's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com, and uh, get a family pack today. Totasac. They carry more than you can. A lot more. Totasac.com. I believe we have a Totasac giveaway to do tonight. Is that right, Mark? We do if you decide to. Oh, well, I think we should do that. Not right now, but mm-hmm. coming up, we'll uh, give you a two-pack of the Totasacs. You can see exactly how great these little things are. Uh, we go back to your phone calls. Ashley is on the line with us in Florida. Now, Ashley, you were telling us that uh, you like to go to thrift stores, and you were talking about your shopping habits, uh, being a one-income family, and you know having to uh, to save money on your purchases. So, go ahead, continue your thoughts. Thanks for getting back to me, guys. Um, for example, of you know being able to have really nice, expensive things, but not paying a lot of money. Today, I found a uh, $280 KitchenAid mixer for four dollars. And I've been wanting one for a long time, and I'm like, you know what? It's not that essential. It'd be nice, but I'm not going to pay that. I'll wait and see if I could find one for cheaper for free. And, you know, a year or two later, I find one. And, um, you know, I think it's just we have this mentality in our generation that, you know, I need this now, Mm -hmm. right now, I'm going to go and get it. And, I mean, I just think that, you know, being frugal has really – seeped out of our American psyche, and I think um, it's just a shame, in my opinion, because we have really nice things. My daughter has really nice, uh, you know, handmade wood toys that her rocking horse, for example, would have been $80. I got it for 10 and it, it, I think it would help a lot of people out, not, not only those who work in sweatshops by not giving our money to companies who use them, but, you know, you keep money in your local economy. I shop at thrift stores that um, you know, help people with handicaps and offer apartments for really cheap to people with low incomes. And, uh, you know, I benefit and other people benefit. Okay. Um, Ashley, I, I t- entirely agree with what you say, except the part about sweatshops. Now, let me, let me say that uh, a, a woman can, or uh, let's say a person can stay home with kids and contribute so much to the family uh, unit by being frugal, uh, clipping some coupons, going, hitting the, uh, the, the secondhand stores and buying the things that, because it takes time. You, you would agree that it takes an, an, a, a good investment of your time to be able to find these things, right? I used to go a lot, but I mean, I haven't been in two weeks, and I went today and found this mixer. So, I mean, you kind of have to have a good eye and know what you're looking for. But um, uh, and that's experience, think, you know. I yeah, mean, yeah, which takes time, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, and and my wife is staying home with uh, Jack now, and she has oh, been good for her. Yep, uh, we've been we've been growing food in our uh, garden, and she's been doing the same sorts of things. And and life has never been more meaningful to me. Uh, this is the best things have been, and I'm not going out and buying crap all the time and, and all that other stuff that I used to do when I was driving around in a convertible sports car and having a good old time <laughs> being an advertising executive. But um, I, I would like to point out when it comes to buying things in sweatshops, it's always, it's always torn up as this terrible activity. 
But the reason that people work in sweatshops in China or Mexico or whatever is because it's their best option. They wouldn't go to work every day if they didn't have that as their best option. Other than that, they eke a living out of the ground, um, which there is it doesn't amount to much. You know, they're they're dirt farmers on a tiny little plot of land or whatever. So the reason that they choose to go every day is because it's the best option they have. So supporting sweatshops honestly is the best way for those people to get out of poverty. Otherwise, if nobody buys those products, they got to go back to the dirt farm that they don't want to be at. I, I do. I, I have heard that argument, and um, I do agree to an extent, but I don't think it's our responsibility as a consumer I agree. to to fund companies that are unethically treating their employees. I think it's the company's responsibility, and and it's also you know we are a democratic country apparently that's trading with a a communist country that doesn't treat their people like people, and I think that's partially, you know, our government's responsibility as well. let me stop you right there, because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, and the term sweatshop kind of has some baggage attached to it. I, I, you know, I can't speak for all of the sweatshops. I haven't actually been to personally tour uh, the manufacturing facilities in in these other countries. However, I do know that there are certain companies in this country that do business with so-called sweatshops over in China and other places like that. And there are interest groups that are very, very, uh, well, it's their thing to monitor the conditions in these uh, manufacturing facilities overseas. And you can better believe they're putting pressure on companies like Walmart and the other major buyers uh, the, you know, that, are, that are buying from these, uh, these overseas manufacturers. They're putting pressure on them to assure that... Uh, these interest groups that indeed they're buying from the the shops that are not using slave labor, that are not mistreating uh, their workers. And as Mark pointed out, if you aren't talking about like a manufacturing facility that's run by the Chinese government using prisoners as slave labor, then you're talking about a manufacturing facility that is hiring people who've come there voluntarily to work. And if they've come there voluntarily to work, it's because of what Mark is saying. It's a better deal than wherever it is that they've come from. And so a number of these people are working under conditions that are uh, they're appropriate enough for them to show up to work every single day on a voluntary basis. So I think I think that, yes, there are some uh, slave labor camps that are very, very awful to uh, to work in. And I'm not saying that but I agree with Ashley that I have I feel no obligation to no, buy a product no. under under any circumstances. I buy a product because I want that product. Um, I think that the. Right now, right now, what's working for me is the Quaker, uh, you know, the Quaker testimony of simplicity, and not wanting every new, different, exciting thing that I see, and just buying it and spending my money. Sure. But you know, what's working for me is paying down debt and putting money away for my family so that we can be taken care of in the future. And I think that that part of it is beautiful. But do you see what I'm saying, Ashley? That maybe the term sweatshop has some uh, loaded, is a bit loaded. Oh, I. Some- I- I do agree, and I'm, I, and you know, I am not going to lie. I'm not going to say that I know exactly how every single employee is, is treated in every single country, um, you know, in every single factory. But it, you know, when you go to Walmart and you go to buy a twenty dollars toaster, when you can get one for two dollars at a thrift store and keep your money in the local economy, you don't know where in China that toaster came from, and you know, you don't know what under under what conditions. And frankly, I, you know don't have the time to go home and research, research oh, sure. you know, the, where, where, what factory did this come from? And for me, I know it's not a, a reasonable answer for every single family to never buy anything new or, you know, learn how to sew and make your own things. But 
for me, when I look at, you know, the conditions of, you know, some sweatshops and some factories, you know, not having a lot of time to do research or to, you know, do direct action or anything like that, I feel like my way of contributing to the thing that I see as a problem is by keeping my money in the local economy, giving to charity thrift stores, and buying things that, you know, most of the things that, you know, the thrift stores, that's the last stop before a a landfill, sure. and you're buying something that you're keeping from being thrown away that's totally usable. My, so for uh, me, it's mom kind of, you actually, know... Actually, my mom actually runs a thrift store in, in Sarasota, Florida, and so I, I guess I'm intimately familiar with uh, with the operations. And you know, I, I'm sure you've probably already done this, but I also recommend garage sailing. Uh, it's another great way to really stretch your dollar and find all kinds of wonderful deals. Uh, when we moved here to New Hampshire, we got rid of all of our stuff, you know, all of our furniture and everything. Just left that down in Florida, got rid of it, gave it away, sold it, and then uh, moved up here and started going. I started going to garage sales on Friday and Saturday mornings, and that's where we picked up uh, most all the furniture. Uh, that's that's in our house. And it's like you said, you, you can't be too choosy. But on the other side of that, you can really come across some amazing deals on some pretty quality stuff. Oh, totally. And another option, I mean, living in a college town, um, you know, towards the end of the semester, a lot of kids just throw things out because they really don't have a value on it. You know, maybe mm. they didn't buy it or they're too, they don't want to call Goodwill to come pick it up. We have gotten so many things that kids have just thrown out. Our coffee pot, which we've been using every day for the past two years, somebody threw out, and it was perfectly usable. Great point. And, you know, I... I love the conversation, Ashley. I wish we had more, t- uh, t- more time for it. we got to move on. But do call us again, and we'll talk more. And, uh, hey, send us a picture for the Shrine of Female listeners when you get a chance. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And uh, don't forget that you can help support this radio program and this podcast by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. You can do that at amp.freetalklive.com. It's all of three bucks a month. That's what we're asking you for. And we'll take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up, and get access to perks like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, AMP-only podcast, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. Republicmagazine.tv. Are you missing the real news? Get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order a print subscription at republicmagazine.tv. Or you can call their 800 number at 800-873-1620. That's 800-873-1620, republicmagazine.tv. All right, the toll-free number here is 800-259-9231, and we were just talking with Ashley a few moments ago, and I would have liked to have continued, and I thought we had some other call, another call to go to, but uh, he dropped off the line. But 
uh, Ashley had brought up the issue of sweatshops, and she, first of all, was talking about being thrifty and frugal, and I'm totally on board with that, totally in agreement uh, with that. And, I, I, and shopping locally, which is another thing that she was uh, she was talking about, you know, buy the buy the uh, toaster at the thrift store rather than the one at uh, Walmart, spend the $2 locally rather than the $20. I think you probably do put more than $2 back locally if you buy the um, the the toaster at Walmart because well they have to pay employees and stuff like that but um, be that as it may I I just about entirely agree with what she said but the it's the sort of the sweatshop and the local vor conversation that's going on sort of in our generations right now and I think that they they bear uh, you know talking about to some extent and um, I think so you know if you if you if you extrapolate buying locally out, then um, you know you, you're not going to buy your car locally. <laughs> um, you know, some I, I remember talking to a guy who had a Honda dealership uh, about buying locally. He said he wouldn't go to Walmart because all that stuff's made in China. Well, what about <laughs> your Hondas? Yeah. So um, it you know the it, people have a tendency to have sort of a blind spot about it. I tend to shop locally because I want to establish relationships in my immediate vicinity because those people are helpful. Mm-hmm. I go to the guy who. Uh, as an auto mechanic across the street, and I just made a deal with him recently. He's going to plow my driveway for free. Well, what? not for free, in exchange for uh, the use of my plow truck as a backup to his plow truck because oh. he has a plow route. And Sweet. He, if, if his plow truck breaks down, he needs to have a backup. So whatever, fine. Sounds good to me. And um, and and I got that from shopping locally. And yeah. I so I, I agree that shopping locally is a good thing. However, I don't think there's any sort of obligation. You shouldn't feel bad or anything like that no. if you don't. I'll shop wherever I can get the best deal, and if that's locally, then that's what I'm going to do. I think that I think that what she was pointing out, and I w- I have to agree, is that there's sometimes the more uh, these these hidden subtle deals that you can get by shopping locally. Though I pay a little more for milk, but I know that milk came from a dairy that's down the road, and mm-hmm. it's a it's fresh raw milk from the cow as opposed to pasteurized milk from Wisconsin or something. In some places, the law is going to prevent you from uh, doing that. In, in, in many places, raw milk is uh, is an illegal product. In Florida, purchase. where we're from, yeah, it's uh, you know they've, they've thrown people in jail over raw milk. One of the but things about yeah. um, sweatshops, I I think that you know it it it. It sort of bears repeating. Um, uh, Ashley was talking about the uh, the concerns that uh, we ha- that we have over sweatshops and the way people are treated, but they go to those places for a reason, and that reason is is that they're treated better at that sweatshop, even if they lock the doors and Can we uh, call it a manufacturer. Whatever, I mean, because. <laughs> Why? If, if you want to call, okay, the manufacturing facility, they yeah. go to this manufacturing facility that doesn't have, that doesn't meet the standards of the United States that we're used to, that we believe that humans should be treated, you know, the, 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 re, the way that humans should be treated, because that's the way we see things, because their economy is in a different place. China was, uh, you know, essentially just eking out of the Bronze Age a few decades ago. Yeah. Well, you know, um, to, they, they, they're now getting into the Industrial Age, and it takes a little while to ramp up. You don't just plop down a factory and start paying people $20 an hour, because no. uh, why would Nike go over there and pay people $20 an hour, or even 10 or 15 yeah. when they can essentially get 
American manufacturers to do the same thing. The reason that they're well, going the prevailing over there, wage is thirty cents an hour, you right? Know? <laughs> if, if whatever they're paying, you know, they're paying a dollar a day. I don't know what they're paying, um, but the reason that they go over there is because they can get those lower wages, and those people see an opportunity. There, no one's going there enforcing that I know of uh, that you know bringing guns in and saying, "All right, you people get to the get to that uh, manufacturing center." They're not doing that. They may lock the door or whatever um, at, at when it's not break time, but they can leave any other time, right? These people see a value. I understand that the uh, the situation isn't the factory I would want to work in, but that doesn't mean that those people don't, you know, if, if no one buys those products that those people manufacture, they stay in the Bronze Age. They're back out to the farm. Right. They're hoeing their field and plowing it with an ox, okay? I mean, <laughs> they don't have uh, the, the farming facilities that we do. They don't, they don't have the, 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 the level of produce that we have in this country. It's just, it's, it's not the same place, and to expect it to be the same place is really just sort of this very American way. Right. It's, it's, it's to believe that we could, at the snap of our fingers, duplicate what we've got here, the great uh, working environments and all the... We can the, duplicate it, but it's going to take decades over there, and right. it's, you know, a few decades, and people are going to have to buy their stuff. You don't just get to pass a law and all of a sudden have these other countries come up to uh, par with the United States and the, the kind of uh, facilities and, and working environments that, that we have here. But that said, as I was pointing out to Ashley earlier, there, there's a certain level of pressure that is applied to companies like Walmart and the other companies that are you know, always attacked for things. You're using sweatshops. Well, I went to Walmart's website during the break, and I pulled up their uh, – it's, it's, it's obviously a summary, but it's a standards for suppliers. It's a sheet of info about what their, some of their standards are. And one of their – number two is voluntary labor, that all labor that Walmart suppliers use must be voluntary. Child forced bonded prison or indentured labor will not be tolerated. Suppliers must provide workers with rest days and must ensure the working hours are consistent with uh, local regulations. Now, of course, that could mean anything. Uh, but nonetheless, they are pointing out that they have some level of standards and that Walmart will not do business with a supplier that's using forced or slave, uh, slave labor. See, now they talk about children, uh, child labor there. And, uh, you know, they're they, talking about how they won't use it. Right. They, they'll say that they won't use it. But I've got to say that I think that, I mean, think about it for a minute. Um, here in the United States, it used to be that a, a child could work in order to support a sick parent or something like that. Yeah. that I mean, think about the Tracy Chapman song about, uh, is, is it Fast Car or whatever, okay. where where she goes to work because her father's an alcoholic. You know, that's a very modern day sort of uh, a, a spin on it. But yeah, you know, it, it used to be that the older sibling would go to work to help to support the family and things like that. I started working at 12. Am I abu- Was I abused? No, no, it was a great opportunity for you. Absolutely. I learned far more working there than I did during day, the day at school. And as long as you're free to leave, it's if they start getting too demanding of you, if they start doing things to you that you think are inappropriate or your parents think are inappropriate, they can just – you can leave. And indeed, um, they want only voluntary labor manufacturing their products. And it goes on in talking about the environment in which they uh, can work and the compensation they receive and health and safety and things like that. So uh, there are standards that these major department stores are applying to their manufacturers before they're allowing them to sell their products in their stores. So there is a, a level of protection yep. there. All right. That being said, I still like the idea of buying at uh, thrift stores, supporting your family, doing what you can to uh, you know, live simply. I, I think also that- like what she said about how there's this mentality in America – of got to have it now. 
You know, I've got to have it now, so I'm going to buy it now and put it on a credit card. Yep. You know? She waited two years for that KitchenAid uh, mixer that she got for, what was it, $2 or $4? Four, four, four bucks. And, you know, this is this is not the old, the, the, the crappy mixer. This is the stand-up kind that she's talking about, the yeah. good ones. And I can imagine she really did want that. And I, I you know, I can only applaud her for the... Patience. The, yeah, the patience that it took to set aside her desire to get a new KitchenAid mixer. And she got one for 4 bucks, And it's, it's such a great story. And any Anyone can have that for themselves. Good things come to those who wait. Patience yep. is a she virtue. She created that for herself, and it's wonderful. All right. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Hour number two is coming up, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. We are doing a giveaway, though, right now. Uh, we've told you about the Tota Sack. Both Mark and I are happy, happy customers of the Tota Sack. We are users. Uh, bringing our grocery bags back in from the car makes it so easy. You can carry them all in one fell swoop. At least I can. I, about 12 bags, six on one, six on the other. I'm walking through the door. You see me, Mark. It barely fits through the door. Like, yeah. that's the limitation of the size of the door. You can carry all the bags with the Tota Sack. Yeah. Uh, so dial in right now at 603-435-1105. If you're caller number two, you'll get a two-pack of the Tota Sack. 603-435-1105. Caller two is the winner. Hour number two is coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Now, last hour, we had just barely gotten into the story before the call started rolling in about a 10-year-old homeschool girl here in New Hampshire that has been ordered by a court to attend a government school because she was too vigorous in defense of her Christian faith. Now, it's bizarre. Homeschoolers are, I think, most of them pretty brilliant kids. I mean, a lot of the, when you look at the spelling bees, uh, it's homeschool kids that take home the prize year after year on this, this, you know, the national spelling bees that they have. And a lot of homeschool kids will essentially be able to enter college several years earlier. Than I've heard of them entering as early as like 11 13, or 12. Yeah, uh, several years earlier than their government school counterparts. And so there's no doubt that homeschooling is a, is a great way to, uh, to raise kids and to educate kids. 
And one of the reasons that uh, people who are very devoutly religious choose to homeschool is because they don't want to expose their kids to some of the things that they consider negative influences that they might find at a government school. Can't say I blame them for that. Uh, I myself am not a, a Christian, but I think that uh, Christians or anybody else should be able to homeschool their kids, and they shouldn't have to have a reason for it. They should, they should don't even you don't need an excuse to keep your kids in your home and to uh, and of course not all homeschooling is all in the home sometimes there's a lot of field trips involved and going places and absolutely meeting I up know. with other homeschoolers I, I, I know uh, homeschoolers I we don't homeschool Jack because he's not old enough but I, I guess enough. we are we're already are, homeschooling yeah. Jack you're reading so. to him aren't you that sure I, I, you can, wouldn't believe how often he wants to hear that I like pumpkins book that he got uh, at the uh, pumpkin festival <laughs> um, twenty times a day my wife must read that thing to him but um, you know kids are picking things up and they're learning things so that you're always learning so he's getting homeschooled now, and the way I see other homeschool kids, they're you know they get to go, they're going out and learning about the world, getting jobs and all kinds of things. I think that it's uh, you know um, it, it's an entirely different way of learning. But people are always worried about socialization when it comes to their kids. Look, your kid has to go and deal with other kids their age and get beat up and uh, you know learn to cuss and uh, look through the nudie books or whatever it is that uh, the kids are doing at uh, school. And I don't why. Why is it that a child has to go and hang out with their peer group and, um, you know, learn those things? I've met lots of homeschool kids, and the, the younger ones, you wouldn't believe how well-behaved they are, they are, and it's probably because they hang out with adults more. They act like adults more. Um, yeah, I do think that kids are over-childified here in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think they're treated like children far too long, and as a result, we have you know, people in their 20s and 30s that don't know anything about life. And I think that's a problem. Well, now here's what happened, and it's disturbing. From WorldNet Daily, the decision from marital master Michael Garner... Reason that the girl's vigorous defense of her religious beliefs to her counselor suggests strongly that she has not had the opportunity to seriously consider any other point of view. So what? I agree. How so about the what? point of view that you suck, Michael? The recommendation was approved by Judge Lucinda Sadler, but it is being challenged by attorneys with the Alliance Defense Fund, who said it was a step too far for any court. The ADF confirmed that it's filed motions with the court seeking reconsideration of the order and stay of the decision sending the 10-year-old student in government-run schools in Meredith, New Hampshire. The dispute arose as part of a modification of a parenting plan for the girl. The parents divorced in 1999 when she was a newborn, and the mother has homeschooled her daughter since first grade with texts that meet all the state standards. Uh-oh. This, I'm, I'm getting ready to change my opinion here. In addition to homeschooling, the girl attends supplemental public school classes and has also been involved in a variety of extracurricular sports activities, according to the ADF. But during the process of negotiating the terms of the plan, the guardian ad litem appointed to participate concluded that the girl appeared to reflect her mother's rigidity on questions of faith and that the girl's interests would be best served by exposure to a public school setting. Now, okay, um... I, now, the judge is supposed to be a person who goes in, the, in these family courts, is supposed to regulate a dispute between two people or, uh, you know, groups or whatever. And if it's the father and the mother that are disputing how the girl's religious education is going, um, then, then I might have a different opinion on this one, Ian. I mean, I haven't heard anything about a father in this case. Well, they, they said they split. And why yeah. are they in court? I don't know who's in court here. I, I'm still a little confused. It says that 
The guardian ad litem. I don't know what a guardian ad litem is. This is somebody who's been appointed to participate in this in a negotiating process. Okay. Uh, that she would be best served by exposure to a public school setting and different points of view at a time when she must begin to critically evaluate the multiple systems of belief in order to select as a young adult which of those systems will best suit her needs. According to court documents, the guardian ad litem earlier had told the mother, if I want her in public school, she'll be in public school. Hmm. I don't like the sound of that at all. The marital master hearing the case proposed the Christian girl be ordered into public school after considering the impact of her religious beliefs on her interaction with others. Parents have a fundamental right to make education choices for their children. In this case specifically, the court is illegitimately altering a method of education that the court itself admits is working, according to the ADF attorney. The court is essentially saying that the evidence shows that socially and academically the girl is doing great, but her religious beliefs are a bit too sincerely held and must be sifted, tested by, and mixed among other worldviews. This is a step too far for any court to take. The New Hampshire Supreme Court itself has specifically declared home education is an enduring American tradition and right, according to the ADF's legal counsel. There's clearly and without question no legitimate legal basis for the court's decision, and we trust it will reconsider its conclusions. The case handled in the family division of the Judicial Court in Laconia involves uh, Martin Kurowski and Brenda Kurowski and their daughter. So I guess that's the father. The ADF also argued the issue was already raised in 2006 and rejected by the court. Most urgent is the issue of Amanda's schooling. As As the school year has begun and Amanda is being impacted by the court's decision daily, the court filing requesting a stay said, serious state statutory and federal constitutional concerns are implicated by the court's ruling, which need to be remedied without delay. It's not the proper role of the court to insist that Amanda be exposed to different points of view. If the primary residential parent has determined that it's Amanda's best interest not to be exposed to secular influences that would undermine her faith, schooling, social development, etc., the court is not permitted to demonstrate hostility towards religion. So essentially what they're saying here is that Amanda, for whatever reason, is living with mom. Yeah. She was appointed to be with mom, and it doesn't sound like... uh, She's with her father. There's not much discussion here about her father Well, I think that you and I can agree that if the government in any way, whether this is a uh, advisor ad litem or whatever that term was that they they used there for nosy bureaucrat, um, Latin for nosy bureaucrat, Mm then, then, then the, 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 those people have no stand in telling these people how to raise their kid. However, that's what I'm seeing here. If I'm of the opinion that if the father has a dispute on how the child is being raised, that his dispute has validity and he has standing. So if dad wants the kid to go to public school and mom wants the kid to stay home and be homeschooled, Ian, what do you think? Well, I think that I, I don't have an easy answer to that because I think that if the Girl was de- if it was decided that she should stay with mom, then I think mom gets to make the the ultimate decisions in those cases. Well, <laughs> um, I don't, I, you know, they why then, you know, I think that that is, I think there's a real problem with that. The, Otherwise, what do you do? You go to the court every single time you have a disagreement with your ex. Your if you can't ex-spouse? work it out, that's what a court's for. Well, I'm not saying that courts are good, but, but the they are the already only made that binding. Decision. Right. These people decided for whatever reason they decided to do it, to have a, a government-sponsored marriage. Therefore, when they decided to do that, they decided that the government would be the final arbiter in the how to dis- depose of their, their children. And, I, I mean, I think everyone knows that. So the final, dis- when you come to an impasse and you can't make a decision, then the court 
would be the one that has to make a decision there. And I think that the father has equal, in my opinion, equal standing, um, or at least darn close to equal standing in deciding where the, the kid goes to school. What I am being informed here is that a guardian ad litem is essentially a New Hampshire's version of CPS, the Child Protective Services. So it doesn't sound like dad's really even in the picture here. And if it if he was, then they would have probably gotten a comment from him for this story, but they only mention his name once. 800-259-9231. So it sounds to me like what's happened here is the government bureaucrats have stuck their nose into this young person's education and have decided that it's not a, up to government snuff. They don't. Be, they, their noses don't belong. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. If you're paying more than fourteen ninety five per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast, and at fourteen ninety five per month, it's cheaper than dial up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and twenty four hour a day free local tech support with no setup fees. Some restrictions apply. Call one eight six six two get net. That's one eight six six the number two get net, or go to dslextreme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, and you can uh, enjoy them, including the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo and to uh, to show that they are indeed listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. And lady listeners, you're invited to get involved. Shrine.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is the main sponsor of the show. The principal over there, Jason Osborne, is a huge Stand for Liberty. It's uh, well, it's the most important thing to him, and that's why he sponsors Free Talk Live and has been doing it for quite some time. If you uh, can uh, send your accounts receivable over to SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. They collect with respect. SACL CAI. So the story is from WorldNet Daily that we've been talking about here. You're welcome to comment on it or bring up whatever you want. The question is, what level of control should a government uh, the government people have over what your kids are learning in their homeschool environment. The, the question brought up in this case from here in New Hampshire, a lady had a divorce in 1999 uh, when their daughter was a newborn. Mom has homeschooled her daughter since first grade with texts that meet the state standards. Now, the dispute here that uh, has been taken issue has arose as a part of a modification of a parenting plan for the girl. So I'm not sure what that all means. I don't know why you have to have a parenting plan for your kids. Uh, I'm not sure what level of control the government has over your home life once you go through a divorce. But apparently she had submitted this parenting plan and the the bureaucrat that was tasked with, I guess, looking over all of this had basically uh, basically said, if I want her in public school, she'll be in public school. And the, the article doesn't make mention of father. It, it doesn't make mention of Briefly where... Briefly it does. Well, it, it only but mentions his But not what his, his opinion name. is. Right. It doesn't mention his opinion. It doesn't mention him being involved in, in this. But what it does say is that... You know, it makes me wonder, though, why is the court... Why is this uh, this, this CPS woman involved in this gr- little girl's life? I don't know. What, what, what happened? And we don't have the full story there. And that I find bothersome. Um, you know, generally... 
Child Protective Services uh, doesn't get involved in somebody's life. When they do, it's usually not good, but... You know, no, and it's it. it's not good in this case. Essentially, the bureaucrat is is saying that uh, she wants this girl to be exposed to different points of view, and that the court. I'm getting a word here from uh, somebody that it says it looks like the couple uh, the the couple in their divorce agreed to joint decision making over the child with a court appointed mediator, which says that you know you welcome the state into your life, and oh, this boy. is what you get, and parents. If you welcome the state into your life, this is what this you is get. what you'll get. It it doesn't mean that I support what's what's being done here. I sure they did agree to right. some level of state oversight, uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm too pleased with what I'm seeing. Indeed, the court is not permitted, according to uh, one of the briefs filed in the case, to demonstrate hostility toward religion, and particularly the faith of Amanda and her mother, by removing Amanda from the home and thrusting her into an environment that the custodial parent deems detrimental to Amanda. Now, the order assumes that because she has sincerely held Christian beliefs, there must be a problem that needs solving. It's a parent's constitutionally protected right to train up their children in the religious beliefs that they hold. It's not up to the court to suggest that a 10-year-old should be exposed to other religious views contrary to the faith traditions of her parents. Could it not be that this sharp 10-year-old vigorously believes what she does because she believes it to be, you know, or she knows it to be true? Uh, the court's narrative suggests that 10-year-olds are too young to form opinions and that they are not yet allowed to have sincerely held Christian beliefs. Absent any other clear and convincing evidence justifying the court's decision, it would appear the court has indeed taken sides with regard to the issue of religion and has preferred one religious view over another, or the absence of religion, and that this is impermissible. The Guardian ad litem, this is the uh, bureaucrat in the case that was overseeing the plan that the, the mother had written up, had an anti-Christian bias, according to the documents, telling the mother at one point that she wouldn't even look at the homeschool curriculum. She allegedly said at the time, I don't want to hear it. It's all Christian-based. So it sounds to me like what you have here is a busybody bureaucrat Right, who, who has an opinion, and it, it doesn't. Who who knows? You know, maybe that opinion's similar to mine. I I find to to some extent uh, people raising their kids and what in the kind of Christianity that I was raised in to be offensive. You know, this sure. this guilt ridden uh, religion that uh, I find I I believe to be damaging. However, I would never tell you how you can raise your kid. I might suggest. But I won't tell. But that's why you would never take this job as right. a guardian ad litem. Right. These are people that believe that they know how to raise your kids better than you do. Right. And so I think it's disturbing. While I, I agree with you, Mark, that the the particular religious viewpoint is probably intolerant and something that I personally would not agree with, it's not my kid. You know, it's not my it's not my child. It's none of my business how you raise your kids. And it brings me back to a conversation I've been having over on the, the Free State Project forum about uh, people and, and raising kids and, you know, how it is that essentially that you need to allow other people to raise their kids in the way they think is appropriate. And that means even the weird ones it's like the FLDS people sometimes really tough. Exactly. And there's there's a guy over there that uh, we've been going back and forth and debating this. Oh, that'll help. Well, yeah, that's what we do on forums, right? Yeah. Um, and he's essentially saying that, uh, well, it's, it's child molestation to engage in sexual activity with somebody under some arbitrary age, which he's refused to, to name. But he basically said that when I engaged in sexual acts with my next door neighbor, when I was growing up, I was probably 10 or 11 years old, that I was molested and that the guy that did it to me, the 16 year old that did it to me should have gone, should have gone to prison. And I'm sorry. No, he shouldn't have. That wouldn't have solved anything. That wouldn't have made anybody's lives 
better. And it was a it was a consensual act. And, and of course, he's insisting that it, uh, there's no way I could have consented at that it's age. It's interesting that the uh, it, you know the the six year difference, and I th- I think or five five year difference, likely it was. Um, That's a big I, difference. I think it's a big difference. I think it's a chasm. However, it's interesting that the um, the 16 year old can't make a decision in some states to have sex with somebody who's older, but can make a decision to have sex with somebody who's younger. Do you understand the depends? In some states, under 12 is automatically like a child felony or something right but i'm saying that the 16 year old can't make the decision to have a sex with an adult in some states in some states they can but they can make the decision um let's say that florida is an 18 and under state they um you know you can't have sex with somebody's under 18 so the 16 year old couldn't make the decision to have sex with an adult right yeah they're they're incapable but they are but that same 16 year old is capable of making a decision to have sex with a 12 year old Um, or 11 year old I'm telling you that the laws in many places would say that's not the case. That anybody they're that's capable of making the decision because they'd throw them in jail, Ian. They can't make the decision to have sex with an adult because they're legally incapable, according to the law. Right. However, the law will hold them responsible for their decision to have sex with a 12-year-old by throwing their same little butts in jail. Oh, okay. The same per- gotcha. person who can't make a decision to have sex with somebody older can make a decision to have sex with somebody younger. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. And that's a, that, that's a really strange place to be. So so I brought up the issue of FLDS, you know, the Fundamentalist Church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and how it is that it's their norm. Their normal world is they're raising their daughters to be married off at age 12 to older guys in their 50s and have sex with them. That's normal for them. But by this guy's standards, he believes that's a crime. He believes that, that you know, kids, young people cannot consent, and so therefore that's a criminal act and that person should be punished. And you need to come to the conclusion, if you want freedom, that is. If you don't want freedom, well, we don't have anything to talk about. But if you want freedom, you have to understand that in order to have it, you have to allow other people to raise their kids in ways you might disagree with. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. Julia joining us for the remainder of the program. And, of course, we will take your calls about anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. And don't forget to join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We have got archives, a lot of them. In fact, going back an entire year... Right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. It's all free at freetalklive.com. Public policy floats your boat? Well, learn about public policy by interning at a state or federal public policy organization. The Charles D. Koch Summer Fellowship Program includes an opening week-long policy seminar, an eight-week paid summer internship, a closing seminar, and weekly policy lectures. Choose from 70 organizations in Washington, D.C., and state policy network, think tanks across the United States. Programs include a stipend and a housing allowance. Apply by January the 31st at libertarianinternships.com. That's libertarianinternships.com. All right, Mark, tell me about uh, the story you have about a guy that was drugged, an activist that was 
forced into a psychiatric ward over fully informed jury outreach. Am I understanding you right? What, what yeah, happened? It, from the um, from ex, examiner dot com, veteran libertarian civil rights activist Julian Heiklin uh, calls it an out and out kidnapping when Homeland Security police forcibly transported him to a hospital where he was injected with Thorazine against his will. Whoa. It began shortly after Hecklin arrived at the U.S. District Courthouse in New York City for the third Monday in a row to pass out pamphlets to prospective jurors. The pamphlet, produced by the Fully Informed Jury Association, that's FIJA, FIJA.org, yep, entitled A Primer for Prospective Jurors, informs jurors of primer. their right to... What's well, a primer? It's both. Um, really? Look it up, man. Okay. You, 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 go go, go check. Will. You're not checking. I'm. I will. All right. Time. In the past, Hecklin explained, <laughs> explained that the First Amendment recognized his right to do what he was doing. And um, uh, excuse me, I, 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 you and your your bad English over here is messing me up. Um, in the past, jury activists arrested for exercising uh, FIJ, um rights, Homeland Security police told him that he couldn't do that on federal property and ordered him to leave. As in the past, Hecklin explained that the First Amendment recognized his right to do just what he was doing. Then, as Hecklin uh, tells it, wait, in his, where was he? Was he out front? He was out front. Okay, yeah, passing out, uh, you know, stuff to, yep. uh, you know, jurors. Then, as Hecklin tells it in his um, email report to supporters, one of them said that I was under arrest oh boy. to get his hands behind his uh, back and handcuffed him. As Hecklin always does when faced with arrest, he dropped to the ground and went limp and silent. In the past, he was uh, in the past he was arrested, handcuffed, placed in a gurney, and transported to the hospital where he was examined and eventually released in time to be home later the same day. Um, but this time, something happened differently. I remained in that position for over an hour, Hecklin says, before I was lifted onto a gurney and strapped securely. I was never handcuffed nor received a citation or summons. It was an out-and-out kidnapping. At Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, he remained non-responsive to questions. Around 3 p.m., Radio uh, reporter Chris Goldstein called to say that he would start the publicity rolling. After 4 p.m. or so, Hecklin continues, I made a fuss to see someone in charge so that I could either be released or brought in front of a magistrate. My requests were ignored and became more persistent. Against my wishes, four attendants grabbed me and gave me a shot of Thorazine to calm me down. It worked. I got an excellent (laughs) night's sleep. Hecklin asserted that Dr. Lowe, head psychiatrist for the Bellevue unit, made it a point to see that he was not interviewed the first day. On Tuesday morning, after being interviewed by two people he identified as psychiatrist Dr. Stryker and social worker Carrie Wolf, Wolf, Hecklin was released at 11.55 a.m., just over 24 hours after arriving at the courthouse. Ever upbeat, Hecklin reports that he was released uh, this way. I signed all the documents, John Galt, and was released at 11.55 a.m. and voted uh, for Ken Kaplan for governor of New Jersey on my way home. Uh, Ken Kaplan, of course, was the Libertarian Party candidate. Unfortunately, Hecklin's report ends in um, this ominous note. You should know that the Federal uh, Protective Services is intercepting my emails, um, another violation of our civil liberties. So apparently he's claiming that his emails are being intercepted. But holy crap. Yeah, that's pretty scary. (laughs) He was just passing out Fiji handouts on the steps of a building that he was forced to pay for. Must be crazy. Let's shoot him up with some drugs. Well, laying there, uh, you know, apparently... Without being handcuffed, didn't seem a lot, sound a little crazy to me. But they, I, I don't think that you should be drugging somebody just because you don't like the way they're acting. Well, this is apparently the uh, the America that we're in today. 
where if you're out in front of a courthouse handing out FIJA information, Fully Informed Jury Association, which basically informs juries that uh, jurors or potential jurors that they, as a juror, if they are selected, will have the ability to, to essentially decide whether the law itself is valid. You, when you're on a jury, you have the ability to vote not guilty based on your opinion on the law, not necessarily based on whether or not the facts of the case show that the individual in question indeed committed the alleged crime. Right, broke the law that, as, that they passed. But, in, you know, it's, it's the jury. They're the final check and balance. They're the, the fourth branch of the government. They're supposed to decide whether a law is you know, legal or not. But what I'm hearing in this story, Mark, is besides the tyranny that is very obvious and blatant, you know, the idea that they can just whisk you away and put you in a van and take you to the psychiatric ward and then shoot you up with drugs and interview you and then decide to just let you out. I mean, because they could have kept him. You know, they could have just kept him there for who knows how long. But they let him out in this case, thank goodness, and he was able to get back out onto the street and, and do whatever it is that he's doing now. Uh, and thank goodness bring our bring the story to our attention because I think what's most instructive about this is that he was by himself, right? Yeah. Doesn't sound to me like he was there with anybody. It doesn't sound to me as though he had a, a cameraman. Where is this from? New, New York. York City. So now New York City. I mean, come on. I know they have a Libertarian Party in New York City, and it's probably one of the larger ones. Is it that difficult to get a second person to come out and do some Fiji outreach uh, with you in New York flipping city? Well, it's got to <laughs> it's got to be um, kind of kind of depressing being a Libertarian in New York City. I suppose. I mean, it is a big party there, but that's because there's a lot of people. But what are you going to do besides? I, I do think the Fiji outreach is is probably the best kind of outreach that you can do. As a as an individual sort of libertarian in in, uh, in enemy occupied territory, but you know no, it, I disagree. I don't think it's very effective if you're just one person. You well, not just one person, but I'm just saying that a, a, a few people can do this as opposed to anything else. Yes, a few people can do this, and that's what's most important. When you're going to go out and do fully informed jury association outreach, you need to have minimum of two, pre- preferably three or four uh, people to come out and do this. One of them needs to have a video camera or audio recording device or both, and uh, and again the more. And the I don't merrier. recommend just video video videoing your interactions with everybody because people tend to be scared of cameras. Oh no 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 I don't no certainly not you don't want to point the video camera at anybody that you're trying to reach out to and give fully informed jury association information to. That's the not going to go well. The video camera should just be there hanging on your arm. You should have it on a strap or in a bag or something like that to where if the the sheriffs decide to mosey on up to you, or some court security officer decides to come on out to have a chat, that's when you raise the camera. That's when uh, you go on the the defensive. But if you're all by yourself, this is a perfect example, and I'm going to remember this story, perfect example of exactly what can happen. It's not to say it couldn't happen to two, three, or four people, but your odds of them kidnapping you, doping you up, and forcing you in front of some sort of psychiatric evaluation panel... Much lower if you've actually got some people there backing you up. I so, have to agree. So come to New Hampshire where you can actually have. We, when we do Fiji outreach here in Keene, we usually have more people than is, absolute, than is necessary. We have six people, seven, yeah. eight, nine, tw- twelve. Too many. It's, it can be intimidating. Yeah, we, we have so many. We've got three people standing across the street. I mean, there's just to- so many. It's, it becomes a gauntlet for the, uh, the jurors to, uh, to come through. Uh, and it's recently spread, I think, to Concord, and it's spread 
spreading to Manchester, and it's 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 great. It's a great form of activism, but you have to have people on your side. The first time we were there, that's when the sheriffs came out. They come out, they sniff around, they want to see if they can push you around, they want to see if they can get you to, to go away. In this case, we had so many people, all they did was come up and ask what we were doing. They went away, we never saw them again. We've been doing Fiji outreach ever since for over a year at this point, and we haven't had a problem. But if you go all by yourself, look out. 800-259-9231, plus he messed with the feds as well, which probably made it extra dangerous. More coming up, you bring up anything, Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The Walking Liberty Half is a fantastic coin for the beginner investor and those who want usable silver should a monetary collapse occur. This coin is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful ever made. It served our grandparents for more than 40 years, and you can get them for $8.69. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. So, enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And by the way, you can help support the show by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link... You'll get the same old Amazon. You know them, the world's largest Internet retailer. They've got dozens of categories in which you can shop even used items. So if you need to save a few extra bucks, plus if you're buying brand new, a lot of their brand new items have free Super Saver shipping attached to them. So head on over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Get your shopping done. Get shopping done for the holiday season as well. While you're at it, forget all the department stores and the running around town and all of that nonsense. You can just get it done at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, so we continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Scott is on the line in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Good evening, Ian, Julie, and Mark. How are you? What's hey, on Scott. your mind, Scott? Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's an old Chinese curse. I'm sure you've heard of it. It says, "May you live in interest. May you live in interesting times." Yes. This is certainly interesting times in the United States. Uh, these ele- elections of this past week prove that. It only reinforces the American. This is a historic crossroads. The American people are outraged. What's gone on in America? The Democrats and the Republicans are both futile. They're useless. They're liars. And those who may laugh or don't believe in the libertarian movement, let's put it this way. It's no worse than what the, dem- the garbage that the Democrats and the Republicans have put forward. Uh, I would support Ron Paul. If Ron Paul had a platform next, uh, in, in 2012 where he wants to run for president of the United States, I would gladly support Ron Paul. He couldn't be any worse than the garbage, and I use the word garbage because that's what they are. They lie to the people. They're tools of Goldman Sachs and Wall Street and big business, and and, and, and maybe Ron Paul could make a go of it, but there's got to be a movement in this country. There's got to be a revolution. And I hope Big Brother out there is listening. Uh, uh, I don't want a revolution. I uh, I think that that's cliche personally, and I understand. So what do you, then how do you make how do you bring change to America? You you evolve. You, instead of revolve, you evolve. And I understand somebody might say, "Well, you're you're 
you're picking hairs there in your nitpicking. And uh, no, I think there's a difference. I think it's an important difference. The difference between revolution and evolution is the revolution suggests that you're going back around to the beginning. You're starting from scratch. You're going to create a brand new government and, uh, you know, kick it off again. And it seems to me that if you start over, you'll still get what you've always gotten. And unless you change your, you know, check your premises and move forward in a different direction. I think that the direction to move forward toward is one of a voluntary society. If we have a revolution, first of all, the, the typical way that comes around is through violence, and I don't think that's going to result in anything that would be something I want to be associated with, because normally what happens is uh, the, whoever it is that the violent revolutionaries are are the ones that end up getting in charge of whatever the new structure they is. They set the new rules. They set their rules, and then you have to live by them, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be any better or any more free. Uh, it just means It'll be their system that they force upon you. And I think that if we can educate people to come to the understanding that a voluntary society is desirable and that human beings should interact with one another on a consensual basis, then we can start moving forward and just leaving the old structure behind. Instead of revolving and starting over, we can just evolve and you know, move on to the next uh, great step in mankind's uh, history. And that would Revolution be... Revolution may be inevitable. Let me explain. You're it may be. I don't know. Times. The unemployment rate is skyrocketing. You heard the news. Uh, yeah. A lot of people have given up millions that aren't even in the rosters that they've just given up out of frustration. The dollar is shrinking down to nothing. We don't have a manufacturing base. Our in- infrastructure is crumbling. Uh, it, 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 it's just it's America's a powder keg. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I think you're right about that, and I, I, it's disturbing to me that there could be a revolution because, again, as I pointed out, what can come out of that um, you know, could possibly be worse than, uh, than what we have today. There's a saying that history repeats itself, and every time it does, the price goes up. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want a communist government, and I know that I've said anti-Semitic things it. in the past, but I don't want a Nazi government either. What I do want is I would I would – entertain a Ron Paul presidency. I would entertain an American presidency that gives America back to Americans and destroys the skies of big business and Wall Street. That's what's killing the state. You're giving the presidency a little more credit than is due. I mean, you do understand that even if Ron Paul were to win the election in 2012, which, number one, I don't know if he's going to run. Yeah, he seems like he's going to be awfully old there. He said he's not, but people uh, are pushing for I'd like to see Judge Napolitano actually uh, throw his hat in the ring, and I think he'd be a good good stand-in. But even if Ron Paul or Napolitano wins the election... Uh, that doesn't mean that that's a revolution. That just means that you've changed out a deck chair on the Titanic, and it doesn't, uh, you know, maybe he can veto a number of the pieces of legislation that come up. Sure, he could tear pages out of the Federal Register. He could do what Harry Brown He could do a great deal for uh, for the... You know, for the country, he could. Uh, he could, you know, withdraw the troops, bring them home from around the world. There's a lot that Ron Paul could do, Anything but it would, would still be, be business as usual in, you know, in Congress because you wouldn't be replacing all 535 of them. You'd only be replacing the executive. I think it beats the heck out of what we've got. Sure, it does, but it's also fant- it's just a fantastic fantasy to believe that Ron Paul. I don't could, know. Could I, think that, uh, I, th- I think that I think I think that it it could very well happen that we could get somebody, you know, after you know what happened in 2008, maybe. I have no faith. I want to leave with a thought. I have no faith in our government. I have never felt so demoralized and and, and so ashamed of the United States of America. And and you've been been very fair to me. I know I've said some bigoted things 
in the past, but you have to look where I'm coming from. I feel that we're just controlled by Goldman Sachs. I, I'm not saying all bankers are Jews. I'm saying that the big boys are. And I'm so demoralized that I don't even want to vote. Uh, I don't even want to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance for this country. And if I had a son or daughter, you know what I would do? I would ship them off to Canada. I wouldn't have them lose an arm or leg for this country. Yeah, well, Canada's got some pretty tough immigration restrictions from what I understand, so I don't know how well that would work. Scott, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. And uh, your calls are always the best when you don't reference your uh, your hatred of people because of their Well, I think that he's coming along, uh, and I I, I do understand. I I agree that the the banks, uh, the the large financial institutions, really are what's controlling this world. But that doesn't mean that Jews are evil or anything like that. It just means... That the people that run those institutions are greedy. Yeah, whoever they yeah are. and they'll do what it takes to, in order to get in charge. And it doesn't matter whether they're Jewish or whatever they are. And I think that it, it you know, uh, that it wouldn't matter what race they were. But I can, I can see how one might get sidetracked on that issue. It's a kind of an easy way to go. It's nice to be able to point to something specific and say that's what the problem is. The problem is power. The problem is uh, control. The problem is the desire of humans to control others and the willingness of humans to be controlled. I think. I think. The, I personally think the, the. You know, the problem is all wrapped up in that. You feel? How do you feel about that? I. I. I think that throughout their history, humans have been nothing but slaves. Julia, what's the problem in your, in your, from your viewpoint? I. I don't know. Okay. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. What is the problem in your viewpoint? How do you feel about uh, where we are today? Uh, you know, what, what, is it just the government? Because, no, it can't just be the government. And it's easy to point to the government and to say, well, that, the government's the problem. We just need to change the government. I think that you need to change the people. And I think that the, the people have allowed what has happened to occur. And if you want a revolution to happen or an evolution to happen, it's not going to occur unless you can change people's minds, unless people can come to the understanding that they well, need something different. I think that um, I don't know about changing people's minds. Um, I think that you well, they which, change their own. Minds. Right. You need to focus their attention towards uh, particular problems and uh, bring around for them solutions as you may see them. I mean, you know, a person who, uh, you know, is, is good at convincing people really just allows people to come to the conclusions that they want them to come to. I mean, that's really the trick. And so, you know, I, I often uh, it's, it's one of the it's one of the reasons that you, you and I generally agree on not getting caught up on particular words and trying to reeducate the public every time a particular word comes along. And sometimes I, when you uh, stop people down from uh, your your wees and hours and things like that, I wonder whether whether that is counterproductive to uh, convincing people of things. And I also was kind of sitting you there think? wondering on the evolution versus revolution thing. You made such a big deal about it, and you know, kind of derailed. Revolution is uh, typically violent. I don't see evolution as being. Violent. I, I think that people could uh, very well have called uh, what happened here in the civil rights uh, movement to be a revolution. I think that people can call what happened in, in India with Gandhi a revolution. I think bringing up the point about collectivist, using collectivist speak is very important. I think that uh, when somebody says we did this and we did that, if we are not included in that we, if they're saying, well, we invaded Afghanistan, well, no, nobody in this room invaded Afghanistan. I think it's important to point those things out because they're little, they seem like little things. It seems like something that, oh, well, you, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I know what you mean, but why don't you say what you mean? Because words are important. Words have meaning. And if you're constantly speaking in those collectivist terms, then you are unwittingly grouping yourself in with something that you might not otherwise want to be associated with. 
So They're taking my money to do it, I can tell you that much. It doesn't take a long time to point those mistakes out, and I think it's very powerful when you try to adjust yourself. Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a front sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free as we launch here into the third hour of the program, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL, C-A-I. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features are free on the site, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Here in New Hampshire, uh, we've had a law enforcement against prohibition officer. His name's Brad Jardis. We've had him on the show in the past a number of times. He has uh, been very brave in that he has stood up in favor of ending drug prohibition. And he has done this while on the job, while on duty uh, as an active law enforcement officer. And it makes him outstanding because most of the law enforcement against prohibition members are, well, they're retired. So they don't really have as much on the line as Brad Jardis does. Sure, they're getting their pension. It's over. Right. They don't have a career to be concerned about, or they don't have to worry about retaliation from the department or anything like that, because they don't have a department anymore. Uh, But Brad has stood up in favor of ending prohibition. He stood up in favor of decriminalizing marijuana and has done an amazing job of it, especially considering that they have targeted him. They have gone after him. And, of course... Their going after him has just only brought more attention to Brad. He's gotten newspaper articles now as a result of the the local police department uh, for which he works suspending him. They've suspended him with pay now, pending an investigation on who knows what they're going to try to stick him with. I'm not sure how this is all going to play out, but that suspension resulted in him getting a story at the Raw Story, uh, rawstory.com, and now there's, I guess, a follow-up story being written because the selectman out in the town that uh, that he works had originally scheduled a hearing for him, a public hearing based on, you know, what had happened to him from the police department, and then they decided to cancel that public hearing, even though he did everything he was supposed to do within the amount of time that he was supposed to do it. He jumped through all the legal hoops that, that was necessary, and they still canceled the, the hearing. So he's dealing with all kinds of uh, just nonsense uh, coming from the, the establishment, coming from the system, because he stepped out from the the official thin blue line and decided to take a position that was contrary to what the police chiefs of uh, this this country might want him to take. And so he's felt a lot of heat for that. And he's not the only one. Uh, In fact, Julia has a story for us of what happened over in the the U.K. from the Independent 
uh, from another. This this guy's not even a law enforcement officer, but just it's a great example to show you what happens when somebody within the drug enforcement administration, and I know that's not what it's called over there, but within the uh, the drug bureaucracy, steps out and actually speaks honestly about the war on drugs, actually tells the truth. What happens to people that tell the truth? Julia, you've got the story. Professor David Nutt, the government's chief drug advisor, was sacked today after claiming ecstasy and LSD were less dangerous than alcohol, home office sources said. Professor Nutt, chairman of the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs, attacked the decision to make cannabis a Class B drug. It is understood. I'm sorry. It is understood Home Secretary Alan Johnson asked him to consider his position in the wake of the comments, saying he had no confidence in him. In a lecture and briefing paper for the Center for Crime and Justice Studies at King's College, London, Professor Nutt attacked what he called the artificial separation of alcohol and tobacco from other illegal drugs. That is genius because it really exists out there. I can't even tell you how many times I have friends and and people I know who say, I don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but they and then drink they get drunk. every week. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear it all the time on this show as well from people who will get into a discussion about the ending the war on drugs and they'll they'll talk about how alcohol they'll talk about alcohol as though it's no big deal. Yeah. It's not a drug. They've, I, they've said it's not a drug. Well, yes, it is. And in school, actually, I remember, and this is probably where this stems from, but in school, they call it drugs and alcohol. As though there is when a they teach drugs and alcohol class, that's what they call it, as if it isn't a drug. But it's a drug it is. by definition. It has uh, a prop. It it is a chemical that alters your chem- brain chemistry. It alters your state of consciousness. Uh, and of course, you don't have to have a a state of consciousness alteration in order for it to be a drug, uh, because there are clearly other drugs out there that operate in different areas of your body, not necessarily altering your states. But a chemical altering your body's chemical composition. Pretty sure that's the definition of a drug, if I'm not mistaken. And alcohol can do that. Like, any time I've eaten ecstasy and any time I've, I've gotten really drunk, I'm telling you, I can walk straight. You mean separate straight. times? Right, like not together, but I can walk straight when I eat ecstasy, even if I eat a lot of ecstasy. I mean, you could get to a certain point where you'd be pretty out of it, but you're much more clear-headed. And the after effects, as far as the next day is concerned, your body feels worse when you drink a lot of alcohol. You lose your motor skills. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't really happen with LSD and ecstasy, especially if you use it moderately. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what he's, you know... Uh, where he's coming from um, uh, as far as them being less dangerous, LSD, ecstasy versus alcohol. But it seems to me that ecstasy is, is certainly not as dangerous. Ecstasy, as- I, b- I believe, with the exception of marijuana, is probably, the my, in my personal opinion, the safest hard, what would be considered a hard drug, I, I think, to most, that you can take. If you I absolutely at- believe that. If you look at the statistics based on um, how many deaths are caused by ecstasy, which are mostly caused by the illegality of it anyway, I, I mean, the evidence is just there. Well, d- deaths are certainly a great uh, example. People also are a great, uh, you know... Uh, you know, something to look at as far as uh, what makes something dangerous. But I think that some people consider, like, say, when it comes with LSD, that I've heard people that I consider experts say that there's a, there's some point in taking ecstasy where, you know, people just, their brains aren't the same afterwards. That goes away. You're talking to somebody who, th- there was definitely a time in my life where I ate too much ecstasy, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Probably like a three-month period where I was just doing it very, very often. Mm-hmm. And 
slowly over that time period, I be started to become a zombie. Now, I was eating it on a multiple times a week basis for three months straight. And by the end of that three months, I was pretty out of it. But once I stopped, it went away completely. It wasn't something that stayed. And when I now I use it very, I mean, a couple times a year and it has no effect at all. I, I just don't believe it. I yep. wouldn't believe it if someone told me that. I well, don't know. Remember, I mean, there was a chart that came out, and I don't remember where it was from. I feel like it was from the UK, but there was a chart that came out that listed the uh, the various different drugs out there, and it included alcohol and their addictive quality and their danger, right? And as I recall, alcohol was just under heroin. Like heroin was at the top or barbiturates or something like that. One of the obscure drugs that you never hear about that they teach you in dare class, but you never actually hear yeah. about on the street. That's Where like, the hell do you get a barbiturate? Angel, angel like dust. Angel dust. And barbiturates, um, I love that they one. talked about steroids a lot. And really, there's only one kind of person who uses steroids. It's not used by most people as a recreational drug. Well, I think that uh, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, uh, to, to teach a large cross section of a particular age group about drugs. And I do think that they're, Inhalants. you know, that. Oh, my God, those are dangerous. <laughs> I know. But that's hardly a terrible anyone does them. Uh, that's the funny part. I, I don't know. Like... I mean, I, a lot of my friends did inhalants when I was a kid. And it depends on what, what you're considering inhalants. But there was this substance called Rush that was available at head shops. And I, I don't I think it was a cleaner or something like that. But you inhaled that stuff and it made you. I'm pretty sure inhaling. Like my, I think the government is like 10 years behind. Like they're still talking about drugs that people did a while ago that people don't really do anymore. Quaaludes. Yeah. Well, if 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 uh, Dare class spends time talking about uh, inhalants, I am glad because inhalants are extraordinarily well, dangerous. Well, I don't agree with that though because nobody listened in Dare class, and when I think about the crazy stuff that they told Somebody me in, in Dare class, I I mean marijuana for example, I remember very specifically a lady teaching Dare class talking about marijuana. She had a handful of BBs and a silver bowl. She dropped, she let go of the BBs. They fell in the bowl, and she said, "When you take a hit of marijuana, this is how many brain cells you leave." Like, <laughs> ping, 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 right? So. At the second I smoked marijuana, I immediately discredited this lady for everything she ever said. So inhalants are are really because it's so freaking ludicrous. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know that I know that America, marijuana does not uh, kill brain cells in the way that they would say. However, Actually, I do know that alcohol does. Actually, there have been studies that show that. Well, well, even if that was true, how could this lady? Did she count out the BBs? Does she know how many brain cells? I, I mean, really, she's coming up with it, an it's average. A, it's an app. I don't think she came up with anything. I, I think she just... I would agree that Dare, Dare class should probably not tell lies to kids. Right, but and since they do, they They should... don't know even that they're telling lies. That's really the problem, is these people are being educated about, you know, this stuff by other people who have, you know, found out their information, so they believe what they're telling is the truth. I wonder about that, how many of them believe it, and how many of them just like to be in control and tell people what they should do. Hmm, that's a good question. 800-259-9231, but certainly the studies have shown that D.A.R.E. is completely ineffective and may even actually be bad for kids to take. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast, and at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com. 
is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features include the bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Lots of people are going to gold.freetalklive.com and buying a lot of gold and silver. Do they know something that you don't, or perhaps they're paying a little more attention in that area? Maybe you want to get some uh, gold and silver to hedge against inflation or come, you know, prepare for a coming economic uh, turmoil. I don't know, but um, you know, I've been I've been loading up. Ian, you've been getting a little. No, unfortunately, I've been waiting. I've had a couple things to take care of around the house, and as soon as I get some money together, I will be able to do that. Well, the the prices are going up every day. They haven't come yeah. back down. <laughs> and but that are the prices at uh, gold.freetalklive.com, they haven't changed yet, and I would encourage you to go and take advantage of them now before Ted Anderson does decide to change them. Um, you can also do a layaway system and lock the prices in right now. So that way you can put a certain amount of money away every single week, and I think that this is the best thing for people who are working, living paycheck to paycheck. Get you know, Commit the money beforehand. That way you don't miss it. It's gone. And all you have to do is call this telephone number. It's 877-857-9938. 877-857-9938. Put aside, uh, you know, 20 silver or gold coins, depending on how much you make. Um, and uh, then you can, you know, pay on it on a, on a weekly basis till you pay it off. They'll send it to you, and then you can do it all over again. If you need to learn a little bit more, they have a book over there called Dishonest Money that I read, and I think it's a life-changing book. And uh, they'll they'll give you a free uh, walking liberty half to go with it, just so you can get started. So eight seven seven eight five seven ninety nine thirty eight gold dot freetalklive dot com. All right, we're talking about a story out of the UK, pointing out that once you break ranks from the government's official line on the war on drugs, then well, you get punished. As we found here with our friend Brad Jardis in Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, the cops are going after him now, uh, and over in the UK, the head. Of the, the government's chief drug advisor, the chairman of the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs, Professor David Nutt, has been fired. And it was after he did what, Julia? Um, well, we hadn't really gotten into it yet. I just started the story. But basically what I'm getting from this is he said, there's a couple of quotes in here, things that he said that I'm about to read, that suggested that LSD and ecstasy were safer than alcohol. And that was not a very popular thing to say, as it generally isn't with government officials. Right, because alcohol is legal. We can't have him out there saying that these illegal drugs might be possibly safer to use. It's, it's so funny, too, when people make that claim, because you can, if you're talking about nothing but deaths, if you're not looking at any other factors at all, alcohol kills so, so many more then Ellis, uh, pretty all illegal drugs combined, I believe that's that's a correct statement, is it not? I would I would say that it probably is. I know that the uh, pers- that prescribed medications, prescribed drugs, kill more people than uh, unprescribed ones. Um, so you know, even illegal and illegal, I guess they're illegal if you take unprescribed drugs. But so prescribed ones kill more people than unprescribed ones. Right. But, but so, I don't know about it. So just funny Sounds to right. me. I mean, if you just go based on that one fact, it seems like it's pretty obvious. That you would at least question it, but uh, they they do not like it when you say things like that. He says all drugs, including alcohol and tobacco, should be ranked by a harm index, with alcohol coming fifth in his opinion behind cocaine, heroin, barbiturates, and methadone. 
Tobacco, he believes, should rank ninth, ahead of cannabis, LSD, and ecstasy. He also repeated his claim that the risks of taking ecstasy are no worse than riding a horse. Hmm. I imagine that has to do with the number of deaths. I'm I'm not exactly sure on the number. The last time I looked, which was several years ago, I believe it was an average of 14 deaths a year. And is that worldwide? That I, I believe so. Now, how many of those 14 deaths are coming from kids that are dancing and uh, too much and overheating in a club, or taking too many? Uh, I'm sorry, too much of a chemical that isn't ecstasy that's being sold as ecstasy. Sure, um, and this is this can be very confusing because. Um, you know, I mean, people, ecstasy is popular. People want to buy ecstasy. If they don't have ecstasy, they'll take all a myriad of other drugs, sell them as ecstasy, and, uh, you know, ho- hope to pocket the money. Ecstasy isn't cheap. You can sell a pill for 20 bucks. 25 bucks, um, you know, if you, if you find somebody willing to pay 25 bucks, but they are out there. And 20 is normal price for yeah, one ecstasy pill. That's correct. Uh, you know, you can I, I've, I've heard people claim that they can get them as low as 15 and 12 dollars oh, and things like you, that. But I've bought them as low as a dollar before. I mean, you can get them really, really cheap. But but I'm um, generally if you do yeah. not know people who eat ecstasy on a regular basis, you're going to pay 20. Probably fifteen's yeah. good price. So um, obviously you want to, you know, people want to sell things like dextromethorphan, hydrobromide. Um, I, uh, they want to sell that as ecstasy for twenty five dollars. Be sure. So they'll they'll sell all kinds of different things. Um, heroin. They'll sell that. That's a myth. That is not true. That is a huge myth. It's not in the pills. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, that was a huge myth that was that went around for a really long time. They've actually never one time found any evidence of heroin in ecstasy, and heroin's pretty expensive. It does. So, it does. It does make sense that they'd rather sell you talcum right, powder. Right. I think that was heroin. a scare story that they they kind of. I think that might have been government generated. Like Possibly. you never know what's going to be in your pills. It could be heroin. It's more likely to be like caffeine and speed, those kinds of things. Yeah. But that but makes you more can sense. get really dangerous with like those some of those weird chemicals like P. I don't even know all the names of them, but there's some chemicals out there that are really dirt cheap that cause your, at high doses, cause your body to overheat extremely. Mm-hmm. And if you get a pill that has something like that in it, I mean, that's that's when kids die from so, ecstasy, and it's not even really ecstasy. So what you're saying here is that uh, ecstasy itself, the pure chemical MDMA, which is what the actual right. chemical is, is safe relatively right. compared the to lethal- alcohol. However... What you're getting out on the street or buying in a club or something like that may not have MDMA in it at all or may have MDMA mixed with other things. Right. And so just because this drug advisor is saying, well, you know, on the scale of drugs, looking at the pure drugs uh, comparison, harm comparison, alcohol is more dangerous than these other drugs, uh, MDMA or LSD, doesn't mean that it's necessarily inherently safe to do these things. It just means that uh, it, it just means that alcohol is more dangerous. So if one is interested in doing these drugs, you shouldn't just listen to this guy. Oh, he says it's safe, so I'll just go ahead and pop a few of them. You should go and research. You should go to arrowid.org. You should go and do your due diligence and right. learn about I, this stuff. I would stuff. recommend if you're going to be doing drugs, for example, buying a little more than you might normally do and, and testing like a little teeny bit. You know what I mean? Like a half of a pill, for example, I, I, might, I might take just to it won't have the full effect, but just to just to sort of taste it a little bit and and make sure that it's right. That's the kind of thing I would do if I were to get a hold of some ecstasy that I wasn't really sure, you know, if if it was because I mean, pure MDMA has some very distinct characteristics and that are easy to identify. But with an ecstasy pill, I mean, you really can't tell what's well, if you're in it. N- if you're new, you're not going to be able to identify those characteristics unless you've got experience as as you do. 
And so one of the things you want to do is go to a website like Arrowid to learn about what to expect, uh, to learn about some of the side effects, because it does increase your heart rate, from what I understand. Uh, it is It does make it so you can overheat easier. It uh, will make you thirsty. And so you want to make sure that you're in the right set and setting. That's one of the most important things is you want to be somewhere that's comfortable uh, for you. You don't want to be in a strange environment with strange people necessarily. And you want to make sure you've got access to uh, things like, you know, water. Um, A lot of these kids that are dying supposedly of ecstasy aren't dying from overdoses. They're dying because they dehydrate. And the club that they might be in might be charging $5 a bottle for water, and so they're just not getting what they need to sustain their life at that point. We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features there include our chat room. You can go in there any old time, but the best time, of course, is during the live show. Chat.freetalklive.com. Again, chat.freetalklive.com. You take control of the airwaves. Corby's in Florida on the amp lines. Hello, Corby. Hey, I would just like to ask, first off, is Chase Bank one of your advertisers? Not that I know of. Okay, well, they probably won't be, you know, after I'm done. But I was charged $35 on $0.15. Cents. I went over $0.15 cents the night before my direct deposit went through. You know, had I known at midnight when it went through, I would have brought them the money if they had called me. But they charged me $35, and then my direct deposit went through the same morning, so they were never out any actual money. And then I, you know, I complained, and they, they the person I talked to on the phone was going to give me a refund, but they actually had computer software that says, I'm sorry, you've already been refunded once within the last year. So we, because too many people were, you know, giving away the money, the customer service reps say, oh, yes, you know, that's, that's outrageous, you know, $35 on 15 cents. But yet they have software that goes through and says, oh, I'm sorry, you can't have that because of, you know, the fact that I've already had one. So I guess they realize they make millions and billions of dollars on these overdraft fees, but it's just totally ridiculous, in I, my opinion. I agree that 15 cents, it's it's, it's painful um, to uh, get a uh, overdraft fee for 15 cents. But, you know, I kind of, you know, sitting in, in Chase's shoes, like, where do you stop giving people uh, refunds for overdrafts? I mean, you know, they, they have a limit, and, you know, there's a reason, for whatever reason, that they give this this limit to people. Well, it and, sounds to me like you already used your uh, one-time, hey, I made a mistake, yeah, so they give me give, the credit. They, they credited you the one time. I, I don't think, look, I understand what you're saying. It's like, this is piddly, what's the big deal? 
But for them, their rule is, and you agreed to this when you signed up for the account, that if you go below zero in your account, that they charge you an overdraft fee. It doesn't matter if it's one cent or $15. And I've paid plenty of overdraft fees in my time, Corby. So you well, went over, you overdrafted once, and you got them to waive the fee in that case, and that should have been your warning to say, hey, be a little more careful next time, and it looks like you you blew it. Well, actually, I didn't join this bank. I was a member of another bank that got bought by Washington Mutual, got taken over by this bank. Now, I should have changed bank because I had problems with Chase in the past, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I forget. You know, but okay, Wamu would probably yeah. have done this, uh, something similar. Maybe they would have given you two. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I understand, I've banked but with both. Is just, that's the difference of customer service of a huge multi, you know, conglomerate, multi you know, international company versus. You know, it's like I heard this thing on the radio today that said, you can't stay in business for 50 years without treating your customers right. Well, Chase has been around for 150, you know, whatever years since J.P. Morgan and Chase had a company. And they can now, they realize they make more money off of fees than they do loans. So to me, it's just outrageous. But I wanted to vent to someone and nobody else will listen. So (laughs) I'm calling you guys. So, (laughs) well, I can tell you what, I've probably paid more overdraft fees than you have, Corby. Um, I doubt I, it. I do have planned. The other day when we were talking about me eating out, and then at the end of the call you said, I, if you, as long as you're saving 5 to 20% of your paycheck, and, of course, I live paycheck to paycheck is my goal. You know, I've been, you know, I'm a gambler, so I have times where I have lots and lots of money and times where I have no money. So I've had planned, you know, I've paid $5 a gallon for gas because I knew I would have an overdraft fee, but yet I had to get to work. So, you know, I've paid probably... It's a lot. So, yep, yeah. it was so, to me, it's so cruel because if somebody has an overdraft fee, you know, A, I wasn't even broke. I had cash at home. I would have brought, you know, I should say, yes, I should have left a little bit higher buffer, but what it was, the tip at a restaurant, and you people laugh at me, well, well, you do your checkbook, right? And, of course, you know, I look online and see how much money I've got. And all day long on Monday, it said 60-something dollars, so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, cool. And then some things that don't, some companies don't turn in their things on time or yep. they don't show up. And it just, you know, but look. The ironic part is that my direct deposit was that night. So it was midnight to 6 a.m. They were out 15 cents. They were never out. They act like it's at risk, you know, your money. But It's frustrating, man. January 1st, they're changing their own policy. If it's less than $5, they will not. They said... You know, they're going to be no overdraft fees for less than $5, but they're not starting until next year. Corby, so. I got a great piece of advice when I was learning to play tennis from uh, you know the, the pro and um, at the the, 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 the the court there. And he said, if you don't want the close calls to get called out, don't make it so close. You can ace I them. <laughs> you can ace them by getting the ball closer inside the court. Um, you don't have to get it right on the line. And you know, when you hit the ball near the line, some of the time you're going to get called out. And you got called out. And I, you know, I'm sorry for it, man. But you're playing close to the line. Yeah, I agree with I agree with that oh. on what you're saying there, Mark. Now, question for you, Corby: Is this an account where there's a minimum balance, or else there's a like a fee for going below a minimum no. balance? No, it was a free checking account. Okay, because some some free checking accounts you still have to put in, you know, a minimum of, uh, you know, they don't charge you fees in other areas, but you still have to have $100 in there or something like that. Maybe what you should consider doing is you said that you were at $60 and you felt okay about that and then something happened, you went out to eat and you just, you know, for whatever reason, you didn't realize it it wasn't going to work out and it didn't work out. 
But it's like Mark is saying, you're playing close to the line. Maybe you should set your line up at $100 in your account and, and not use your checking account unless you've got more than a $100 in it. Or, or it's a, tough. It takes a certain amount of discipline. Well, and, and I, I hear what you're saying, that you're living paycheck to paycheck. and uh, that You're I, choosing well, well, to do well, that, I, though. I quit my job this week, too, so that's another story. But. That is another story. <laughs> but, but even when you're living paycheck to paycheck, there are still things that you can do to lower your costs of living to where you can have that buffer zone that'll keep you safe from from getting hit with those uh, with those fees you know cut out some of your if you've got habits you know cut them out if you possibly can or, or cut them back um do well, you smoke or anything is very expensive so that's you know what's expensive large, <laughs> hydroponic is very expensive marijuana so you know, so you've got that, a you've but... got a cannabis habit then is, is what you're saying well, it's not my fault they make it illegal and make it so expensive. So, you know, I have a choice to pay what they market, you know. I have friends who can get things free in other cities, but here I kind of have no choice. So maybe you should buy some regs and uh, get a vaporizer. Ugh. Maybe you should grow your own. Yeah. You could I would, but right now I'm living in an apartment that they have access to, so it's just not really too convenient. Right. But uh, I just need to get past, you know, I realize it's my, you know, my own fault. and But it's just so ironic that my paycheck did go through that same night. You know, have they been like... Everybody's always got their story, right? Yeah. I mean, well, hold on. Where's the where is the recommendation? If this was somebody drinking beer, Ian, what you would tell them is, hey, cut out the beer three or four nights a week. Corby, quit smoking so much damn pot. You want to have a little money in your lot, pocket? But still, it's, you know, <laughs> you're it's you're a freaking stoner, dude. Food, cut it out. Well, it's better to jump. I'm only on the second floor, but some things help, so I'm not ready to tackle that yet. Well, but I don't really anyway. see anything. I mean, I, he was ranting about the, the bank account, but he's pretty much admitting that he's right now choosing to live paycheck to paycheck, and he accepts that, and he likes smoking the marijuana. So, I mean, if that's the way he wants to live right now, every action has consequences. Right. Even you if can, he's willing to deal with the consequences. In exchange then, for being stoned, you can be a servant of the bank. Yeah, and uh, they, and they probably won't actually, put any but, manacles you know, on you or a neck or a neck lock. <clears throat> Say again, Corey. I said you can be a servant of the bank, and they probably won't put uh, manacles on you and uh, some kind of chain around your neck. I know, but I had to vent to somebody. In your All right, brother. You, you vented, but you didn't... I have something to vent about since we're venting. Okay, very good. You vented, but you didn't get much uh, empathy, I don't think, out of out of us on that one, Corby. Well, I got the biggest bonus I've ever gotten. I found out a few days ago that I was getting a $1,000 bonus, and there's all kinds of reasons why that normally doesn't happen. And this one, I personally had a huge effect. So everyone that I work with, all the managers I work with at my store, bonused a lot more because of me personally. And it was How do you handle that when you get the bonus? Do you go out and buy a bunch of uh, stuff, or do you put it, most of it away? Um, it just kind of goes in my checking account. I don't, I don't know. That's good. So you're you're saving. You treat, you treat it like found money. I, mean, I guess, yeah. You're not gonna go buy a big screen TV or something no. like that with it. No, I'm not gonna do that. I might do something. I don't know. Maybe go out to dinner. But I got my check, and the government takes forty percent of bonus checks. So Oof. I only got six hundred dollars. Oh my god! I was very angry. Very angry. It's so disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> Man, 40% of bonuses? Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. That has to be because of the bankers, uh, you know, bonuses and people not liking that stuff. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It is your show to take control of if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, 800-259-9231. And, of course, you can join us on online at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features for free. And if you enjoy this program, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. And that will get you access to things like the AMP-only call-in lines, the chat room, the forum, and more. And plus, you'll be able to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Though it won't necessarily buy you empathy. We just had Corby uh, on the line a moment ago from the AMP line. And he was uh, complaining because he got an overdraft on his bank or an overdraft charge on his bank account because, well, he overdrafted. And I, I just can't say I feel sorry for him. I can't say I'm surprised that the bank would would do that, especially when he'd already overdrafted once and had been uh, and had the fee waived. Because normally that's what you can do if 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 you get surprised and you know oh my gosh you didn't realize what was going on and they hit you with an overdraft you can go in and say look I'm sorry I blew it can you right. waive this one it's and pe- they'll do it's it people like me and Corby that keep banks in business because we pay those big old fees the thirty five dollars for I'm I'm not sure you know we were talking during the break and I'm not sure whether this was an overdraft issue where he spent too much in his checking account or whether this was uh you know going over yeah, it was on his checking his- account. That's what you believe. Um, I disagree. Um, well, Julia th- said it was his. Okay, so it's a majority now. That's right. Okay, the, the, the I'm the sheep people. The vote is here yeah. that <laughs> two right. versus I one. I say this was a credit card, and he was he went over his limit, and this was an over the limit fee. And Ian, I'll bet you've never no, even been to the he, limit on your credit card. He said, that it, he said bank, he had direct deposit. Yeah, he said direct deposit was going into a bank. This sounds exactly like he my checking account. He said it was an auto account. pay. No, no, he, he said, said he had a direct deposit, deposit from his paycheck. What difference does it really make? Well, you're the one making an issue out of it. I, I'm saying I disagree. And we're telling and you... And Corby could call in tomorrow and confirm that I am right. He said it twice, at least twice in his call, that he was expecting a direct deposit, and the direct deposit came in at midnight, but because he ate out that night and, uh, you know, charged a, a tip or something like that, it went over. So, my, the point was... Uh, is that that's just the way things are. And I had suggested to him that, uh, you know, we found out he ended up having a, a marijuana habit that was a big expense uh, in his life, and we don't really know what... He could get a vaporizer, and the marijuana would go further. Exactly. That was my suggestion, is that he picks up a vapor... Of course, then again, he has no money, so I don't know how he's going to buy well, a vaporizer. Well, it's not that he doesn't have money. It's that he lives paycheck to paycheck, so I think he molds his money around. You know what I mean? Like, he gets paid. He says, woo, I got $1,000 or whatever, and so I'm going to buy a vaporizer, and I'm going to go out to eat and i'm gonna do this I, I i don't really get the feeling that he 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 said sometimes he has too much money sometimes he has no money you know i think he just spends yeah look they don't they don't teach you how to handle your money in government school that's for sure but it seems to me that if you don't have a hundred dollars to your name you shouldn't be going out to eat am i wrong about that i have to agree Julia? I agree, too, but I also have so, so many young friends who do this, and I think it's it just seems normal. It's what people do. Sure, they were raised... I'm not saying they, it's... If, if, if you're 17, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old, you spend all your money from the allowance that week, um, you're still going to have a you know, a refrigerator full of food and a place to go sleep. So your parents never really teach you about saving money, and, and it's, it, it's tough. I mean, my parents think, didn't teach me. 
t- t- stories like this really point out exactly how wealthy we are as a whole in America. Because, I mean, he knows that he's going to get to eat again. You know what I mean? It's not like he's starving. Mm-hmm. And people in in other countries that have spent their whole entire lives scraping for food would kill to have that much money and would probably save every penny. It's true. Let's continue with your calls. Go to Sam in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sam. Hi, guys. What's on your mind tonight, Sam? A recent interview I heard was a tax attorney uh, out of Louisiana. Uh, Tom Cryer is his name. Uh, created a website uh, where he provides his memorandum of law that he constructed, Truth Attack. That's truthattack.org. And at the resources box, you can access the memorandum of law that explains uh, the intimate details on uh, income tax fraud as uh, so-called practicing licensed attorneys uh, have engaged in all of their professional careers. And as Tom Cryer eloquently stated in the interview, that once he examined the statutory code for income taxes, he discovered that, yes, indeed, he had been defrauding and extorting. So, uh, with the new knowledge, he uh, ceased uh, filing returns and paying income taxes. So the infernal well, robbery, for him. infernal robbery squad came after him, of course, right? Mm. It's it's patriotic, if nothing else, that the IRS, you know, uh, maintains the shackles of monetary enslavement, right? So he. Uh, he took them on, and he he defeated them. And uh, so, you know, uh, you can now, for the first time, have a commanding, intimate knowledge from his memorandum of law, which happens to uh, see 110 pages. And uh, so now you can become empowered, enlightened to... All right, finally, so what's he charging for all this? The memorandum of law? Yeah. Well, if you go to truthattack.org... Mm-hmm. And you check out the resources box, you will discover that once you go to the resources box, it's free. Oh, good. Good. It's great. Excellent. Uh, you know, there there are a few people that have managed to take on the IRS and win. And uh, I heard his name before. Too. Uh, you know, I I I certainly support them. Um, it it seems like it's 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 still a roll of the dice. Uh, you know, you know, it's 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 a tough gig, man. I think that's great that, that he's giving the information away. I think that's a, it's a it's a hallmark of of quality. Whether or not it's the truth, I I don't know, but uh, you know, it's certainly something that you can go to truthattack.org and find out. Some, it's something that someone can take a look at and ascertain for themselves without having to lay out hundreds of dollars in cash for some sort of magic method that is promised to be the savior and to you know allow you to escape from the system. Uh, that's uh, whenever somebody's charging for their secrets, uh, it always makes it always raises a red flag with me. Thanks for the suggestion. Tonight. Any other thoughts? Yeah, real quick. He, uh, in conjunction with that, has launched uh, what's called the Tea Party Square uh, movement, I guess, as you call it. And, and it's all based on the facts that he proved when he did, in fact, defeat the IRS because they did come after him for, you know, tax evasion. So uh, whatever you want to say about truth and you know, previous parties who attempted. The problem with previous attempts is, here's how simple it is <laughs> for a judge or a persecuting attorney to uh, condemn and, and um, uh, convict 
someone, uh, all they have to ask is, are you a U.S. citizen resident, and do you live or reside at this address? That's all they got to ask. If you if you respond affirmatively, well, you go to jail. Well, how would you suggest responding? I'm not a U.S. citizen resident because I do not live, reside, nor am I domiciled in the District of Columbia, nor any of the federal territories. And, and that's what he the did? Federal charter, he did that in, in court? Pardon me? And he actually did that? Uh, I haven't actually read I the see. memorandum of law because I don't actually have a computer. I see. Well, thank you for the thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. It's an interesting speculation, and it's one of those kind of magic phrases that some people claim will uh, have an effect. And I think it it all depends. I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't walk into court expecting them to do anything to bow down and uh, you know oh wow he answered that in the right way. Well, we're not going to put him in a cage because uh, they'll put you in a cage if they want to. And I don't think it really matters what you say. Personally, I would love to be proven wrong on that, and in that case, he wasn't sure. Let's go unscreened to the amp lines. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and hey. Mark. Hey, it's Johnson. I have a quick tip on the uh, over-limit or overdraft account fees Okay. Uh, for the listeners. The quick tip is to set up a spending account and a bills account so that essentially you've got your spending, which is sort of fast money, and your bills, which is sort of slow money. And what you do is, so you, you allocate yourself a certain amount of spending cash into your spending account. So that way you're forcing discipline on yourself by putting your money in separate sort of digital boxes, which will still allow you to use your debit card or your credit card. But when you overdraft, you know it's time to stop. But you're overdrafting, you set up the accounts to overdraft into one another so that you always have money. And when your accounts overdraft, you're overdrafting to your own money, not the banks, so they don't charge you. I'd also like to add with that that uh, you can set up direct deposit to go into different accounts, and you can divide up. So, like, every week, let's say you get right. $1,000, you could put 700 in one, 300 in the other, or whatever. But you still need to have that financial discipline to not just spend out all both of the accounts at the same time. <laughs> That's true, but... <laughs> It's less, though. It's much easier when you when you set it up in advance. You set up these sort of boxes so you don't have to really think about right. it as much. I'd say it's the card tactic. makes it easier to spend, too. Like, if the yeah, card's right. not hooked up to the savings account, you'd be less likely to go withdraw money from it. Great points. Thanks, Johnson, for the call, and uh, thank you, Julia and Mark, for being here. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. Okay, so the Edgington Post Interview Series continues. And today I've got on the line uh, Joel Winters, who is the political director of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Joel, are you there? Excellent. So, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it seems kind of like an odd thing, perhaps, for uh, a guy who's an elected Democrat to be in charge of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And I, so I wanted to get you on the line and ask you some questions. Now, you are okay. a mover for the Free State Project. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, what have uh, the other have the other uh, do the people in the New Hampshire House know about that? I, I doubt too many of them listen to the show, but do, do they know that? And what have their reactions been? Uh. Well, it's, it's a pretty open secret. Uh, I'm serving my second term in the New Hampshire House, representing Hillsborough 17, which is the west side of Manchester. Okay. 
So when I got elected in 2006, um, you know, I was I was outed in the uh, in the, the mainstream media. Okay. You know, the, the Free State Project was was promoting the fact that an early mover got elected. Um, yep. So it was a pretty open secret. Uh, most, especially the Democrats, all knew that I was a member of the Free State Project. Nobody really gave me a hard time about it, but um, they did have a lot of them had um, expectations, I guess, about what sort of um, what sort of representative I would be. So, do they think you're so, a dino? A dino? Uh, a Democrat in name only? Um, sure, I guess. Okay. I don't think anyone's ever called me that, but yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but now that I'm in my second term, um, it really doesn't seem to be that big a deal because you know I've gotten to know everyone as individuals and and, and vice versa. They know me as a person and not as you know, one of those free staters. Um, so it has been interesting now that there are, are new representatives that um, one of them uh, during a or after a hearing earlier this year, you know, he came up to me and was asking me about how many of the people who testified at the public hearing were members of the Free State Project. And he started to launch into a, a mini spiel about how he felt about Free Staters. And I had to interrupt him and say, did, did you know I moved here with this Free State Project? And that just... Uh, he was silent for a minute after that. Just Didn't blew his mind. <laughs> so um, now you've—I I haven't checked the list here, but you probably got to be the top-rated Democrat on the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance's Liberty rating chart thing that they do annually. Um, and if not, you're you're certainly in the top handful. What uh, do, do you find yourself ever conflicted, sort of being the, uh, you know, being a Democrat and being a member of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, or does that uh, not come into play? Or I mean, do you find yourself conflicted on whether or not you can vote your conscience and that kind of thing? Um, well, there's not really a conflict with I, I vote my conscience. Um, there is a conflict. There has been in the past with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, uh, where. You know, I, I ran as a Democrat because my philosophy is, is sort of a left, small L libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe there is a role for government to, you know, protect the, the you know, the environment. And uh, I'm not an anarchist, I guess I should say. Fine. So there are, have been some issues where I've conflicted with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, where their position has been more of a right libertarian uh, position. I disagreed with that. So. Um, I, I forget my scores over the last three years, but, uh, I think they average about a B plus. Yeah. B plus a minus. I think that that's what I've seen you come in at, um, there. So, um, now, uh, the, so as, as far as fallouts from other reps and everything, you're not really, not, hasn't been too much. They're, they're just not really thinking about it these days. Do they, do they still consider you to be a Democrat? Are you as Democrat as some other, other Democrats? Are there, are there Democrats that are more Republican <laughs> than others? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not as Democrat as most of the other Democrats. Okay, but, uh, for the most part, they consider me uh, a Democrat. Okay, good. Because you know, I've, I this is something that I just don't know. When I, I I deal with people that I meet on a daily basis differently, if I know that they're Democrats versus Republicans or where they where they are and what their issues are as far as politics go. But um, well. you know, it it depends on whom I'm dealing with. You know exactly what. Uh, you know, sort of aspects I might talk about, uh, you know, the, the liberty paradigm. For me, I would say my number one issue is that I want to see the troops um, around the world 
pulled back into the United States and, uh, you know, the, the, the military pared down to some kind of much smaller force or, uh, you know, done away with uh, a standing army entirely. But, um, so, I mean, you know, that's kind of a Democrat sounding thing. And it's kind of what Ron Paul got all the trouble from the Republicans on, you know? Right. That's a, that's a good issue that goes over, um, that fits in well with the, the Democratic platform. Yep. Uh, you know, when I was elected in 06, President Bush was, was still uh, our commander in chief. So, uh, I could always make good conversation complaining about all the things that he was doing wrong. So. That makes it easier. <laughs> now, you sp- speaking of uh, President Bush, you sponsored, co-sponsored the, uh, the the real ID opt out thing that was going on in New Hampshire. Can you describe that whole experience and how it was that uh, you know New Hampshire opted out of real ID? Sure. Uh, there was a bill back in two thousand two thousand five two thousand six during that session that uh, would have opted New Hampshire out of real ID. It was House Bill fifteen eighty. And I got involved trying to build popular support for that legislation, trying to get that passed through the state house. Um, and in working on that, I worked with Democrats a lot. So when I decided to run later in the year, it was running as a Democrat was a natural fit. Um, so we were unsuccessful that year. The state Senate, which is controlled by Republicans, ended up killing the bill and keeping us in real ID um, at that time. We would have been the first state to opt out had House Bill 1582 passed. Um, so in 2006, when the, the Democrats took over the state Senate, um, I was able to co-sponsor legislation that sailed through the House, uh, I think with only nine dissenting votes in the House, Jeez. and passed the state Senate unanimously. Um, and Governor Lynch signed it uh, in June of, of 2007, opting our state out of real ID. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it's, so, a, it's, it's a great thing. And has drawn a lot of people to the Free State Project because of it. So, um, yeah. what legislation have you submitted, submitted for 2010? Well, as you, as you might have heard, uh, Real ID is, is sort of on its, its uh, last legs. And one of the replacements that's being proposed is something called Pass ID. Yeah. Sort of Real ID light. Um, so, Representative Neil Kirk and I are co-sponsoring. We're introducing legislation that would opt us out of Pass ID as well. Um, the bill that we passed two years ago, it's it's pretty clear that our intention as a state is not to participate in any sort of national ID card system, but we would like to tweak it a little bit and be very clear we're not going to participate in pass ID either. So we'll see how that goes along. Very good. Now, you're not the only porcupine legislature, uh, le- legislator, and porcupine is a person who's a member of the, the Free State Project. You're not the only one. It's my understanding there are four, and then there's a couple friends, and then there's like 23 or so, 23 or 24 people that are rated A-plus by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. So you've got some uh, some backup there as far as uh, pro-liberty less legislation in in the House. And I'm wondering... Uh, you know, what kind of impact are the porcupine legislators having in the government in New Hampshire at this point? Well, the early movers, um, you know, we're all individuals, so we all uh, will do things differently. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to speak up about liberty issues in the Democratic caucus. And I mm-hmm. know there's um, uh, my, my colleagues, uh, other early movers are all elected as Republicans. And I yes. know they, they speak up on issues in the Republican caucus. Um, so, you know, at the moment, we've only we've got four 
FSP votes, mm-hmm. which is still just a little over 1% of the New Hampshire House. Yeah, no. But... Uh, no big thing. Now, what do you think is going to happen when there are? I mean, I, understandably, at this point, we're still we're building coalitions and things like that. What um, what's going to happen if you've got two or three or four dozen uh, you know people that are rated A plus or porcupines or you know whatever term um, one wants to use for sort of liberty oriented legislators? Well, actually, I think you had the right word when you said coalitions. Okay. Uh, because you know, getting things done in politics is all about the relationships um, that you have. So, you know, while I've got a good relationship with, you know, a few dozen Democratic um, representatives that I can go to on individual liberty issues, um, the, more, the more FSP movers that we have elected up there, each of them will have their own you know, few dozen relationships. Um, and the more people that are there, the more relationships, the more people that we can, we can reach out to on specific issues. And, um, you know, we can really make an impact on the type of legislation that's passing or getting killed in the New Hampshire House. Yeah, because at this point, um, you know, I, I, I would I, I like to, uh, you know, talk about government being a b- giant snowball that's uh, that's rolling down the hill. And in most places, mm-hmm. Washington and and most states, that snowball is in a free fall. I mean, it's 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 running down the hill and there's nothing to stop it. At this point, we have a few people, um, you know, in you know, in elected positions, and of course, a lot of us who are facilitating and uh, and aiding those people, who are, you know, essentially standing in front of the snowball and trying to keep it from rolling. And and of course, they're losing ground, uh, but they're they're losing a heck of a lot less ground than liberty is losing all across the United States, um, in any every, every other state, and and uh, the federal government, and and provinces, and wherever it is that uh, anybody who's listening to this is, <laughs> um, we're losing less ground. But you know, the more people that we have there, uh, sort of you know, putting hands against the the snowball, the better off we're going to be. I think it could be a while before we get um, you know, like real what what most people would call real pro liberty legislation passed. But um, we can work with Republicans and Democrats on particular issues that they have that might be that might work very well for, um, you know, for us as far as liberty goes. Some people might, uh, you know, tout the the gay marriage uh, bill that I think it was it was this year, right? That's correct. Yep. The gay marriage one as as a victory for liberty. I I'm a little on the fence on it. I don't know whether it's uh, I don't know what kind of uh, liberty it, it gives to business owners who might have uh, employees who are gay. But, you know, either way that, you know, everybody's got their different issues. And I certainly do think that gay people should be treated equally in front of the law. And I think that they should have uh, equality there. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that that's sort of, you know, where we're at at this point, trying to slow down <laughs> the role of government and uh uh, you know, if we can do that, I think we've had a victory. Well, I, I'd agree that the uh, passing marriage, marriage equality this year uh, was a, a victory for liberty. Um, I think it's important that the law treat everyone equally, no matter who they want to marry. Uh, the law shouldn't discriminate and say, you know, person A is only allowed to marry person B. Um, so I think it is a victory for liberty. And unfortunately, it's a, a battle for liberty that the NHLA was silent on this year. Um, so I hope. You know, unfortunately, uh, libertarians sometimes get a, a reputation for being um, Republicans who, who smoke pot. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot more liberty issues than, than those. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance will uh, sort of broaden its focus and, you know, take a position on some of these other liberty impact, liberty 
Republicans don't support, but um, but we do agree with Democrats on. And I think that's uh, you know I think that's the great thing about you being the political director, being a Democrat of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, is it gives it you know some more. It it it, it has been. Viewed by Democrats as a Republican organization, perhaps a fringy Republican organization, but a Republican organization nonetheless. And I think having you as the political director is a very good thing. Now, um, right. well, it's, it's you know, it's frustrating to see I'm looking at the report card on my uh, computer right now and to see uh, representatives who are rated a plus by the NHLA. Yet they voted against uh, overriding the governor's veto of the medical marijuana bill. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd, I'd like to see the report card be a little, little broader and not, and uh, catch both parties doing something right, and not just uh, the fringe Republicans, as you said. Yep, I, I, I sincerely hope that you could do something about that yourself. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I was looking here through, uh, uh, through the the list as you were speaking too. Now. Um, over here in Keene, New Hampshire, we have a contingent of people who, uh, you know, by and large, it's Keene. Uh, certainly, Keene's got its name from doing uh, civil disobedience from the, the Free State Project. And and I'm wondering, since you're talking about uh, medical marijuana, what do you, what role, if any, do you see for civil disobedience in the liberty movement? Well, um, you know, everybody has, has their own techniques for, for trying to advance liberty. So mm-hmm. if civil disobedience is your thing... Um, sure, go go for it. Um, actually, I think I was the the first early mover to get arrested for civil disobedience. Really, what was that? And I was I was petitioning outside a post office back in uh, July of 2004. Uh huh. And uh, the police came and said, you know, you can't petition here. And I said, yes, I can. This is public property. I have every right to be here. And uh, so when I refused to leave, they uh, went ahead and arrested me. Took me down to the Nashua. County Jail, Nashua Jail, and uh, ended up getting getting released about after 90 minutes, and they ended up dropping the charges eventually. Sure, but um, yeah, there. I mean, there, I guess there's two types of civil disobedience. One is where you go out and make a big event and plan to get arrested, um, and the other type is when push comes to shove, when law enforcement is there and says, "Hey, what you're doing? We're going to arrest you unless you stop what you're doing," and um, if you have the courage to say, "Look, I have the right to do this, and I'm, I'm not going to be intimidated," um, that's that's a different type of civil disobedience. Yep. So, do you think that the uh, uh, do you th- think the pot protests specifically in um, in Keene, and I think they had them in Manchester and Dover also? Do you think that they played any role in the um, the legalization of marijuana, or the legalization of medical marijuana um, bills pa- passage or, or the failure act? I guess. Well, I know, I know a number of representatives who told me personally that they were um, considering not supporting the bill, even though they had in the past, because of of the press that these 420 protests had been getting. That um, they thought it was, you know, the issue the issue was, had become cloudy. Um, yep. when it was about helping sick people. They were all in favor of supporting the bill, but um, when people are out there smoking marijuana in public, um, then there's a lot less sympathy for people who, who do need marijuana for their medicine. So do you think uh, those... it was a little was disappointing. Um, people who, and I, under, I understand that they've been asked um, by some ad, ad activists to stop the protest, that the focus could be on the medical marijuana 
override. Um, so it's disappointing that they, they didn't do that. Now, um, the um, the people that, that – the representatives that said that they weren't going to support it based on – that they might not support it, do you know if they did, in fact, support um, – you know, vote for or against um, in in those cases, or is – do you know, I guess? Um, I, I know at least one went ahead and, and did support the bill, but one of the reasons that she was she was considering changing her mind was because of the protests. Yeah. Um, I just – you know, I'd, I'd like to know who these people are who uh, are going out and protesting I don't get off work till five o'clock. Who has time every afternoon to go out and smoke marijuana? People have um, different uh, different schedules. I I don't know. Wow. I mean, it certainly wouldn't fit into mine. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you ever do you think that civil disobedience, uh, like by and large, can result in uh, more uh, freedom in New Hampshire? Is it an issue of you know the right issue at the right time? What what, what do you think in general about civil disobedience? I guess. Sure, uh, I, I agree. It can result in more freedom. Um, you know, it worked for for Gandhi and uh, for you know the civil rights movement. Uh, when you use civil disobedience to to highlight the absurdity of of some of our laws um, and really draw people's attention to that, I think that can be effective. Now, um, I guess I want to change tracks here and talk about uh, sort of the Free State Project and moving to New Hampshire. Do you? ever regret having picked up your whole life and moving it here to New Hampshire uh, for the Free State Project? Nope, not at all. Nope, you know, warmer, warmer uh, winters, you never regret that part? No. Nope, doesn't bother you. New Hampshire New Hampshire's the best place I've ever lived. Excellent. Really glad that I moved here. Cool. So um, if there are people out there, and there are, that are considering their move to New Hampshire um, as part of the FSP, is there... Um, do you have any advice for them to help them to be as effective as possible in bringing about liberty in our lifetimes? Uh, well, if you're interested in getting involved with, with politics here in New Hampshire, um, you can get involved with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Coming up uh, next month, we're going to start reviewing all of the 2010 legislation. You can do that from your home wherever, too. I mean, you can do that anywhere you've got an Internet connection. That's correct. So that you know, if you're one of those people who has one of those different schedules, you can do it at 3 a.m. in your underwear in front of your computer. I've done it. Yep. Um, so you can get involved with that. If you want to learn more about, if you're planning on moving and you want to start getting plugged in and learning about the, the local politics, um, on Sunday mornings, read online. You can read the political columns in the Union Leader and the Nashua Telegraph, uh, which is a great way to follow. You know, get in just a few minutes, you can, you can follow the political scene in a nutshell. Um, and, uh, yeah, and if you're really interested in, in following the legislation and things online, nh.gov uh, has a lot of resources on it. You can even watch streaming audio and video of the House sessions you know, live over the Internet. That's some riveting crap, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but I think the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance really does have a lot of uh, resources for people that might want to start getting involved a little bit ahead of time. And it's it's really an organization that uh, is, is very effective. One of the complaints that people have about the political process is its ineffectiveness. And, um, you know, admittedly, the political process, it is not designed to handle change. It's designed to keep things the way they are. But... The New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, I, you know, from from my experience, has been very effective in getting getting uh, changes brought and and uh, you know for, furthering liberty in our lifetimes. 
So I think that, you know, one other thing. So let me let me throw a couple of ideas out there and see what you think sure. about uh, people who might move. And um, what do you think about not telling anyone ever that you're a Free State Project member? Uh, well, you know, when I first moved, uh, you know, moving to packing up, as you said, packing up in your whole life and moving to another state, it's a really, uh, it's a life-altering experience. Yeah. So when you first make the move, um, you want to tell people about it. You yeah. just made this major change in your life. You see things a different way, and you want to share that with everyone. Um, and, you know, it's 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 fun to watch the new movers um, when they get up here, and they, they just can't wait to tell everyone that they're moved here with the Free State Project. Yay. And then you can see the, the old-timers, the people who've been here, you know, a year or four years or five years, and nobody, we don't, we don't talk about it um, with the people that we meet because, um, you know, we've been here in New Hampshire for years and years now, and it's not as an important issue. We, yeah. we, we have local issues that we can talk about. I'm a granite stater, not a free stater, you know? That, that's exactly. how they, they approach it. And I think that um, I think that people might expect I don't know what what it is that they expect when they I I've had the same thing they're excited and they want to talk about the Free State Project but I don't see too many benefits to saying one is a Free State Project member versus just you know saying you moved here for whatever reason it is that you you know want to say that you moved here for I love the winter you know whatever <laughs> I like to ski um, whatever yeah. reason it is that one might give I don't see too many benefits to uh, to, to stating that one is a is a free stater, unless you have a nationally syndicated radio show, and which point you c- cannot hide that fact. But um, I, you know, I don't think no, many of the locals. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with keeping that to yourself. Yeah. Um, as long you know, unless you're worried about um, potentially being damaged from it later. You know, if you're interviewing for a job and you know that if they knew, you know, that you would be, you would not be hired. Um, you know, it may be better to just be upfront about something. It may be, but I the Free State Project keeps their their list is they believe me, it's closely guarded. Um, having worked with them in in the past, they are very very strict on who's on the list and who's not and things like that. So I don't, I can't imagine how it would ever get out if you uh, you know kept your mouth shut about it. But uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell one person and not tell the other, yeah, loose lips sink ships. But um, you know, if you just move to New Hampshire and never let the words Free State Project come out of your mouth, because the people in New Hampshire are not prospects. You can talk about it in Kentucky all you want, because maybe you can get some people who would be interested in signing up, and that would be beneficial. But here in New Hampshire, nobody can sign up, so there's no reason to talk about it. Well, that's, that's true, but hopefully when you move, you do want to get involved with some of the other people who've, who've also made the move. Sure. Um, who can help you get plugged in. Oh, so, yes. There's a lot of a lot of resources, and many of them are porcupines that have made the move. So while you may not go out and mention the Free State Project in public, if you are associating with, with a lot of other project members, um, you may get outed someday. Yep. That much is – it's quite possible. Uh, we had uh, a local guy here who was running for city council. His name is uh, Nick Ryder, and – He's he's from Keene. He grew up here, and the newspapers calling him. You know, the the news sources are calling him a free stater. I mean, I don't know how how it is that he is, but that's that's pretty much. Uh, they're trying to paint him with the free stater brush, and I think that many people don't even know what it means. I've had I've heard people say things like uh, free staters are here to get things for free, and you know nonsense like that. So 
to me, I try to avoid uh, I, tr- I try to avoid the the free stater trap as as much as I can. Good advice. Yep. And um, so as far as when they do arrive and, you know, once they've got their lives together, because I think it's kind of, um, you know, people might be setting their 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 bar too high to imagine that they're going to do everything in the first three months. But what do you think about, uh, you know, getting involved in your community, volunteering at the the fire department or the, the soup ki- kitchen or in some way being a resource for the local community? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially. I guess there's there's a couple different types of free staters. Um, you know the people who who move and you know buy a house and put are going to put down roots in the community. It's especially important that you you get involved and get to know your neighbors. And, you know I'm going to be out uh, this Saturday. Uh, you know helping rake leaves for uh, senior citizens who aren't able to do it. You know yeah, their it's own homes. it's hard to vilify somebody who's out raking leaves for <laughs> um, you know shut-ins. It really is, right. and they they they, they want to do that as much as they can. Certainly, there are people that want to vilify one for being a free state project member, but um, you know it's it's hard when like myself, you know, they <laughs> you come to their house in a fireman's outfit, all on your own time. Um, you know these 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 things make it difficult on them. Um, but if if you are the if you are a mover who isn't going to put down roots in one community that you're not sure where you're, you're going to settle in New Hampshire. Um, I don't want to say don't ingo- get involved with your community, but you also don't want to get a reputation as someone who, if, you, if you're going to bounce around to a lot of different locations, and get involved with something for a couple months and leave it for something else. Um, you know, I guess you'd want to be aware of, of that. Yeah. People... But, People want somebody they can count on, that's for sure. And if for a person that wants to sort of move different places throughout the state to find out what works best for them, I think that they can still get involved with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And then um, once they've picked a spot, because at some point or another, you do pick a spot. <laughs> um, once right. they've picked a spot, that's when they can start uh, really get, getting involved with the community. Because you're, you know, one of the reasons that one wants to uh, get involved in the community is perhaps one wants to run for office at some point. And, uh, you know, then, you know, if you're bouncing all over the place, you're not looking at running for office anywhere anyway. You're not going to you're not going to roll in, run for office and be elected in the first six months, or at least if you do, it's very rare. It's very rare. Yeah. Um, but it's possible, especially in, in smaller communities that, that do have vacancies on people. People just don't want to run for some of the smaller offices. It's true. You want to be you know, trustee of the cemetery trust funds or something like that. Um, I, what I found is, is in politics, it's essentially it's full of flatlanders, um, people who've moved here from you know outside of the state for whatever reason they've moved here. Those are the ones that are involved in um, as far as the politics in their community. The local New Hampshire Granite Staters, they're by and large not involved. That's my experience, at least in in local politics. Could be. <laughs> not a, no experience on that that side, huh? Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> so uh, at, thanks very much, Joel. I appreciate it. And um, this this interview will either be on tonight's show or tomorrow's, okay? Okay. That's Excellent. Good, Mark. Thanks, for, thanks for your time, sir. Hey, well, you're very welcome. Sorry it took so long to uh, get this put together. You know, uh, I it it was you were recommended by a friend as an interview that uh, I, I thought was, I felt it was, once he explained it, it was going to be worth it. So, you know, no problem there. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. All right, you're welcome. Bye. How long can you hold your breath? 
Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. <laughs> 